0: Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba.
1: Hello and welcome to the AFA Podcast, the official podcast for animationforadults.com. And this is episode 27. Uh, my name is Rachel and I am joined by Chris Perkins. Hello, Chris. Hello. How are Hello, you doing? Rachel. How are you doing this week?
2: I am doing very well. How are you?
1: Very cold. Uh. It is very cold and very snowy where I am right now. So, but. Yeah, that's, that's what everyone was calling it when we were first uh, heard about this impen- the impending uh, storm. I forget what the actual official name of it was, but I'm just for for this e- you know easy to say. I'm just going to call it snow again because that's ba- basically what it was.
0: Oh my God, damn you, snow! <laughs> it's
2: got a name, isn't it? Like they choose their name alphabetically.
1: It was a very strange name. Like I, I noticed, like sometimes they'll have really conventional names for storms, and then they'll just have these like really, like, weird ones. Like I remember one uh, one time. I think it was either like a, I don't I wasn't sure if it was a hurricane or if it was a snowstorm. But I remember they called one of them Ike, and all I could think about was Fire Emblem.
2: <laughs> we, we we had a bunch of storms in the UK like around Christmas, and they had really strange names. There was I think there was was the Desmond. There's like Frank and Keith. They're just like really unthreatening sort of names. I think perhaps they're trying to, trying to undermine them.
1: Probably. It's like, oh, it's, it's just Keith. You don't have to worry about Keith. Keith's not dangerous. But anyways, we're getting, we're, we're getting a little off topic. But, um, so to get to the main topic of today's episode, uh, because very soon, um, the, Movie: The Dragon Ball Z movie Resurrection of F will be getting a UK release on Blu-ray and DVD. We thought it would be fun to uh, kind of just talk about those the movies that have come out recently, and maybe just Dragon Ball as a whole, and just see how it's kind of you know come back from the dead, as it were. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But we'll to start things off, we'll talk about you know any the new developments in the animation world this week. One of the bigger ones is the uh, let me see if I can get the name right. Da-da-da. Uh, basically the, uh, Japanese Academy Awards in terms of animation, uh, they've, I believe the official name for the award ceremony is the, the Japan Academy Prizes Ceremony. And this is going to, this year is going to be the 39th ceremony since this, uh, whole thing got started. And they finally announced the nominees this year for their, uh... Animation Award. The nominees this year are Boy and the Beast, Miss Hokusai from Project IG, or Production IG, excuse me, uh, Anthem of the Heart, and a couple more commercial successes were uh, Love Live, the school idol movie. That sound, that's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, of course, Dragon Ball Z Resurrection of F, which kind of steamrolled the the box office in terms of uh, not just... Uh, in Japan, but also across the you know across the world too. So that's also not surprising. But it's an interesting lineup of uh, categories. I have to admit, Miss Hokusai and, and uh, Anthem of the Heart, I'm not familiar with, or the Love Live. But uh, would you have anything to say on those, Chris?
2: I haven't heard of Anthem of the Heart. I have to say, uh, I when I wrote out the story, I looked it up and I found like a trailer online. So I because that was the one I thought, oh, this is the kind of most obscure one i embedded the trailer for that but um it is apparently about somebody who uh magically loses their voice or something because they don't use it right or something (laughs) (laughs) um and it's it looks like it's been released in the us by Anaplex, but i i didn't hear anything about it at the time so Mm -hmm. um uh miss Hokusite is um this is being released in the uk by um Uh, or anime limited um and it is getting some uk cinema screenings um and it is like a biographical drama about i don't know if you ever heard of the japanese artist hokusai um you might have seen there's this really famous uh, famous painting called i don't know if it's called the wave but it's a huge wave oh
1: no i think i am familiar with that yeah, I just I, I I think I remember hearing the name, but I wasn't really I didn't really look into who it was.
2: And uh, he's also sometimes credited with inventing the term manga. I think because uh, ah. he did like uh, loads of pictures, um, like woodblock prints, and he he uh, dubbed them manga, which was irresponsible pictures. Um, <laughs> I think that's him. I might be getting him confused with another, another artist. Um, that his daughter was also an artist mm-hmm. and she was you a know, client kind, kind of important in his life and it is basically her story so it's an animated biographical drama and love live i've heard the the name a lot um it's something to do with I- idols and uh i just see loads of people going on about it there's an app there's a game um like a ios app Mm -hmm. that people are obsessed with and people arguing over who the best love live is and things like that whatever that means and there's a movie the tv series but and i know it played in america last year sometime i don't know anything about it (laughs) to be honest
1: it looks i mean from the the picture the pictures that you had on the article it looked like an interesting animation style at least just you know with the character design caught my eye, and, um, I don't know, it might be something worth looking out, but as, I, for, just, just right off my initial, uh, you know, first impression, it's just, it just seems like another one of, like, those, you know, pop idol kind of, like, promotional show kind of things, but, eh, maybe, maybe it'll surprise me. I I'll have to look into it at some point, just to, just to see what's up.
2: A few of our listeners will probably know exactly what it is, and will be like, "Oh, I can't believe you don't know Love Live." <laughs> <laughs> well, well we're, we're
1: if sorry. you want to tell us, feel free to leave comments. You know, we'd love if I'd love to hear more about it. <laughs>
3: but,
1: and yeah, some of the other categories, I'm not entirely surprised. Like Boy and the Beast, I I can imagine doing fairly well in a, a award show like this.
2: And, well, apparently. um Hosoda has won the the um the overall category um with all his previous films from uh, the Girl Who Left Free Time onwards.
1: Ah, that's right.
2: So he's got form.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's definitely got form. And uh, then, of course, think probably out of all the movies, the one that probably made the most in terms of you know money is probably. Dragon Ball Z, Resurrection of F, which we will get to eventually, but I just thought that was interesting that they made sure that they included that onto the the list of nominees.
2: It's interesting to sort of compare it to like the Oscar and the other, you know, if you look at it, that the way they're a mix of commercial films and sort of the indie and international, mm-hmm. but these are all Japanese. Obviously, they don't have... <laughs> they There's not like Miss uh, Hokusai boy in the beast shoulder sheep <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's all Japanese so well they've got, they've got
1: enough a- animation you know companies and projects in that country that I feel like they, they could just have a whole award show just dedicated to what they've created I mean they they produce new anime series every single like twice every year mm-hmm. like with the different uh like release seasons, you know, in the the winter and spring. So I can't say I'm surprised that they would have enough material in order to base a whole award show on just their their stuff.
2: Apparently, though, the other year they gave the Best Foreign Film Award to Frozen.
1: Did they now?
2: And they have also given the Best Overall Picture to animated films on two occasions before they introduced the Best Animated. And as you may have guessed, they are Spirited Away... And Princess Mononoke, so. Mm-hmm. So.
3: That
1: makes sense.
2: They got that over on the Oscars.
1: <laughs> All right, and I believe that ceremony will be taking place. The uh, the awards ceremony will be uh, taking place on March fourth in Tokyo. So we'll have to wait till then to see who comes out on top. Which I'm, you'll bet my money on uh, Boy and the Beast.
2: <laughs> Sounds the most likely. Definitely. Considering
1: considering Hosted I've already got a track record on this it it, 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 it would make sense.
3: Mhm.
1: All right, but uh next up on stuff to talk about, we've got the little kickstarter project that started up relatively recently called uh Scribble it was founded by uh Margaret Orr and Sean was a um how do you pronounce the last name Sean Vaca? Not sure not sure about it. So mm-hmm. sorry if whoever's listening I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name.
2: Sounds about right. I
1: think. <laughs> sorry. But, um, sorry. But the uh, what's more important here is the fact that this is a Kickstarter that is basically trying to uh, get enough funding so we could have a to start a project titled Scribble, where we can where they get about twenty five to thirty five kids in the you know in the Chicago area uh, between six and eight six and eight years of age. And trying to get them all together and try to create a, you know, introduce them to animation through making a short film. And that strikes me as a really, really unique and exciting, uh, project. And you want to offer your thoughts, Chris?
2: Yeah, yeah, I just think this is a lovely idea. Um, uh, cause just imagine you're that age and you get to make an animated film. It'd be amazing!
1: I'm, 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 I'm already jealous of those kids, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's that's kind of that's the kind of experience I would have really you know loved to have in my school education. But um, I just the idea of it behind it is just getting all the you know all these different kids in one room and trying to you know dir- you know direct or not to say direct, excuse me, uh, put together an animated feature is going to be it's going to make uh, something wildly original if you have that many you know young creative minds all in one room.
2: Definitely, part of the plan is to enter things in film festivals. So. If if that works, that'd be amazing as well. For it kids certainly to would. To say, hey, my film's in a film festival.
1: Yeah, it would be just that would, I would it would be, hopefully it could like it could kind of snowball into a whole bunch of different like programs where you could not you know if Chicago if every if yeah I'm just stumbling over my words today. <sighs> uh sorry. It's the snow. <laughs> yes, it is the snow. I blame the snow. But um if everything in, with uh Chicago works out if that could like s- kind of s- again snowpun snowball into <laughs> into a larger program that would start going into you know different states and maybe even across the world that would be that'd be something
2: oh, it's the kick fund uh, kick funder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no it's spreading
2: it's spreading uh it's the Kickstarter um. Reaches stretch goals I think the plan is Is to include more kids And more programs And stuff so
1: So what is the uh, The current goal For the um To just To get fully funded For the Kickstarter Where Do you know where that is Right now
2: They are at $782 At the moment mm-hmm. uh, We've Trying to get $1,200 uh, And I've got 16 days to go Okay.
1: Okay. So still, still, still a good bit of time that they could, you know, if you got more people on board, that they could, they could possibly make it. They just need, just do need a bit more of a boost there. Yeah, go, go, people. So yeah, if you haven't supported this already, go do it. This is this is an awesome project and needs to be funded. So go ahead and give it. A, if you're interested, go ahead and help help them out a little bit.
3: Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't
1: doesn't take a lot. Doesn't take a lot. If you have enough people join up on a Kickstarter page, it doesn't take a lot to get something funded.
2: Nope. We wish them very good luck because yes. we think we think this is a great project.
1: Agreed. All right, moving right along. Uh, the next big thing that I'm uh, big piece of news that I'm particularly excited for is the fact that Boy and the Beast. Uh, which we were just talking about a minute ago, is going to be getting released in U.S. cinemas thanks to Funimation. And they're going to be, uh, I believe the it's going to start screenings on March 4th of this year. So, uh, which cinemas, I believe it's still kind of up in the air, hasn't been announced yet. But um knowing the past couple, like with the limited releases that Funimation's done in the past, like with A Resurrection of F, and uh, Battle of the Gods, it's um, it should reach quite a wide variety of cinemas. So, and hopefully some like the one in my area. So, I'm looking forward to finally getting a chance to see this movie. But also, even another interesting note is that you know, since Funimation is the one distributing, they're also in charge of handling the dub for the US uh, release. And interesting to note that the dub is uh, actually being produced in a cooperation with Mamoru Hosoda himself. So they've got the creator, you know, himself helping them in terms of uh, translating the material for the dub. So I, that is very, very interesting. I'm not entirely sure if they've done that, if this has ever happened before and with his previous films, which I know uh, Funimation's also had a hand in dubbing. But, yeah, this is the first time he's ever actually been, at least that I've heard of, that Posted has actually gotten involved with the dub.
2: Yeah, it it's definitely sounds like a very positive step, um, to making a more accurate and true to his mm. vision sort of dub. Not that, mm. not that I'm saying for animation are generally not okay at doing that. But it's it never hurts to have people actually directly involved with the production doing the dub because um like Ghibli, they get that Studio Ghibli International gets involved with doing the, the dubs, so Mm-hmm. You know you're not gonna just get some knocked off in five minutes rubbish job.
1: Yeah, I mean, think, I mean, Funimation already does a good job with their with their dumb material to begin with, at least as far as i of where I'm standing. But uh, they can't, you know, having the actual creator involved, you know, things can only get better, in my opinion.
2: And its UK distributor is going to be Studio Canal, who released all the Ghibli films and everything. Um, but we haven't got a release date yet. Uh, but they've also got When Money Was There, and I assume they're going to release that first because it, because the Oscar nomination. Yeah. So that I think maybe that will come out in sort of March, Mar- March, April sort of time because mm-hmm. it will get all the extra boost and also it will be sort of around Easter school holiday times. And then maybe... Boy and the Beast in the summer, like when uh, Song of the Sea came out last year. It's just yeah. a, a guess, or it might might not be this year even, but I hope so. Please. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and
1: another sort of a uh, uh, small, like Patreon uh, funded. Uh, it was, I like, believe, you told me it was a bunch of. Uh, it was, I like, believe, it's gonna be like an online show or some kind of like uh, video series, Chris. Uh, called uh, it's not rocket science. Yeah. Featuring uh, Chris Hadfield. Do you have any more information regarding that?
2: This is, yeah, Chris Hadfield, the um, known as the singing spaceman, <laughs> the uh, Canadian, who um, you've probably seen the music video of him singing the song by the late, great David Bowie um, in the space station. And he done, did a bunch of videos of him doing experiments and stuff and he became kind of a, cult figure and everything, and since he's come back to Earth, uh, he's been doing lots of, sort of, science things, like, appearing uh, on TV all over the world, writing books and things, like, he's come over to the UK quite a lot and done done sort of, um, shows about stargazing and astrology and stuff, not not astrology, astronomy, totally different. Yep. <laughs> that, would, that would be a bit of a, yeah, he, he's come over and gone, well, typical Pisces, um, <laughs> No, he hasn't done that. He hasn't lost it. Um, he is um he's involved with a animated science comedy series, uh, which is being written by his son, in fact. And oh. that's Yes. Evan Evan Hadfield is the writer and uh brains behind this. And it's called It's Not Rocket Science. Um and it features an animated version of Chris Hadfield and his um canine sidekick Who is um, Albert the Tenacious Space Pug? (laughs) Uh, And these videos are apparently sort of going to be all ages appropriate, you know, teaching people about science, but with a comedic bent. And they're going to, I think they're going to be released for everyone via YouTube, but they are raising the funds for it um, using Patreon. And they launched it with a. a live event in London, uh, uh, somewhere called The Foundry, and you can actually watch the event because it's like archived ah. uh, online, and you can find a link for that through the story on the website about it's not rocket science. And they released a teaser as well for the, just so you can see the animation style, and it's very cute looking.
3: It is.
1: I was like it, is, it It definitely looks like one of those like a uh, uh, like it would be for like a nice little uh, short. Educational style video, but it, it's it it still got it still feels like it's got some uh, nice character to it to mm-hmm. make it more than just you know like you know hey we've come here to learn this it's just but it's even though it's got a little bit of that it's good it it's gonna be good that it's got a nice little twist of uh, humor in
2: that as well. Hmm. Yeah. So, if you're interested in helping make this a reality, you can head to the Patreon page, and you will find a link in the story and probably in the show notes for this episode as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yep. Give them as much support as possible, please. (laughs) And then on a different note, we've got, uh, for brick and Morty fans who might find this, if you're a fan of the series, I would be surprised if you hadn't heard about this already, but just in case you haven't, there is a game that was released for, on, believe it was through Apple store, Google Play, and a whole bunch of different mobile devices called... There's a video game based on the series called Pocket Mortys, which is just like it sounds. is a kind of Pokemon parody featuring the characters from Rick and Morty. And uh, it's styled and just kind of like the way the Pokemon games were where you you play as uh, Rick and you have to go around to different dimensions and catch different Mortys or different versions of Morty and all the different... Uh, and you just have to play it, play it out like it would be a Pokemon game. You make them battle each other and train them and so forth. I I personally have not any experience playing it, but I uh, hear you did, Chris. And uh, was that basically what it was like?
2: Well, I have been playing it, but I have a confession, a shocking confession to make.
1: What, that would, what would that be?
2: I've never played a real Pokemon game.
1: <gasps> Blast for me. No, it's okay. <laughs>
2: I didn't have a Game Boy. Um, (laughs) um, uh, yeah, until Game Boy Advance.
3: Uh, (laughs) that's okay. uh,
2: I know enough to know about Pokemon games anyway, what style they are. Um, and it is, yeah, I've I've been playing around with it a bit. I haven't played it a lot because annoyingly my iPad keeps crashing, uh, but I've been playing it. It's nothing to do with the, um, the game. It's just, I'm having technical issues at the moment. Um, but, yeah, if you know Rick and Morty, you know the whole pan-dimensional thing where they go from all the different dimensions and their alternate versions. And so that's a brilliant way of having, like, lots of different Mortys and Rick and their different alternate versions and having them battle. And, um, and you know, it's exact, it is exactly like you'd expect it to be, like, with the um, turn-based battles and everything. And And it's also, like, got lots of little touches like references to pokemon and rick and morty at the same time and it's it's apparently got like some musical treats and things like for fans of the show and it's free so
1: yeah now I remember I was watching the trailer for that and imagine oh get oh hey guys guess what this game is free to play and it's like wow really
2: I'm figuring there's probably going to be some in-app purchases at some point that you can if you want but mm-hmm. you can pick it up and play it and it doesn't cost you anything and it's fun
1: yeah, well, just like the I'm sure just like the Pokemon games are fun. This is just this one's got a bit of more of a Rick and Morty uh humorous twist to it. <laughs> Cause that's a that's a lot of brown haired uh brown haired kids I'm looking at in the the cover picture with all the <laughs> with all the <laughs> with the, all the all the different Mortys. <laughs> there's
2: that's like one... a lot of Mortys.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a heck of a lot of Mortys. So if you're interested, if you like big fan of Rick and Morty, this is uh, and you like to play Pokemon games, maybe this is. Uh, The kind of game that you could spend a couple minutes on and just enjoy the hell out of. And, alright, for our uh, last story for the day, is a bit of a interesting uh, bit of news coming out of, uh, I believe it was Sony Sony Pictures, Mm -hmm. that they're actually getting, uh, making some progress on the Popeye movie, which they've been like, they've been uh, throwing the idea around for making a Popeye theatrical release uh, for a long time now, like since 2011? Or was that even longer before that?
2: Well, I think this current idea goes back to about 2011, but Mm -hmm. it might not be the first time that they've talked about doing Pokemon. uh,
1: We were just talking about Pokemon, so I don't...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Popeye movie. Um, Mm -hmm. Not, of course, including the old Robin Williams one. But mm-hmm. animate animated popeye movie um and it tatowski was linked to it, and there was a very awesome uh what, taste of what he was planning to do,
1: yeah, uh, like a teaser, yeah, kind of sort of thing, yeah, I mm-hmm. remember seeing that i I know I saw it like sometime sometime recently, like I wasn't sure if it was on YouTube or something, but yeah, it was. It was very, very interesting. i think i was i remember listening to it too, and uh I heard tom Ken- i heard the voice of Tom Kenny as Popeye, and I'm just like, oh my God, that is perfect casting right there.
2: It's basically just a brilliant um like transporting of like two d animation into a three d animation style like, with all the squash and stretch and everything um and makes it you know really captures the Popeye sort of spirit, I think. Um, and I didn't really... I wouldn't have said, hey, I want a Popeye movie. <laughs> it's not like it's something that I've ever thought about. Not like that I think about, oh, I particularly re- fondly remember Popeye or anything like that. But mm-hmm. when I saw that, I was like, I want this. And then Gendy left the project. They were like, oh, whatever. Well, guess that's dead in the water.
3: Guess yeah. That's-.
2: And then apparently not.
1: Yeah, apparently it's it's come back and it's, I believe um. TJ Fixman is reported to be um, a part uh, now working on this movie now, and I believe he's uh he's involved with um, another movie that's coming out this year. Um, the movie based on Ratchet and Clank video game.
2: Uh, have you seen the trailer for that?
1: Uh, but, uh, yes, I actually have for the Ratchet and Clank film. Yeah, I've, I saw that, and it uh... looks. It looked like the game. Uh, that's, that's all I'm going to say about it. it. It reminded me very much of the video game and that its sense of humor. So, to that, I say, okay, well done. i um, I would. I'll need more in order to get a better opinion of it, though.
2: Oh, I just. It just completely. I watched it. And I was like, that. That was a thing I watched. I have. I have, <laughs> I have. I have. I completely had no connection with it at all. Um,
3: it is. I think,
1: at least as far as that movie is concerned, it's definitely probably more going to be for people who remember playing the games and really enjoying the game, the the playing the video game, in terms of just that kind of audience. But yeah, whether or not it may actually reach beyond that audience is still is still up in the air.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It just, and I mean, in terms of you know, with uh, Tj Fixman, at least I know, at least based on what I know from the Ratchet and Clank uh, franchise, the, the, in terms of humorous writing, I know it's funny. I know it can be very funny, in kind of like a cartoonish fashion, so I'm thinking if that's attached to a potential Popeye movie, that might be pretty awesome. But again, it's probably still too early to tell.
2: Yeah, well, I'm still sad about gendy not being involved anymore, because I want to see him do that, rather than more Hotel Transylvanias or whatever. Because
3: yeah, from what that
1: when I saw that teaser trailer for uh, Gendy's version of uh, Popeye, like my God, it was the the fluidity of motion with all like the guys jumping on the boat and Olive trying to get away from them all, and just it was just like wow, it's just like it doesn't stop. It's just but you don't want it to stop. <laughs> it's just it's just that kind of cartoony like craziness that you you grew up watching when you watched that show. So it just it at the very least it seemed like it captured the heart of what at least in terms of the cartoony zany slapstick that Popeye had. It seemed to really bring that to life in a new format. So it's all the more tragic that Gendy is not involved with the project anymore. But we'll have to wait and see if um when they and make more announcements in regards to the film or actually release uh test footage for maybe a tease, another teaser. We'll have to see if it lives up to the uh, vision that got audiences excited with that first teaser with uh, that Gendy's project, you know, when Gendy was still on the project.
2: I wouldn't be surprised if the fact that, you know, it's moving forward again now or seems to be moving forward again has something to do with the Peanuts movie.
3: It's possible because
1: that was it it was a pretty big hit, at least in the U.S. I'm not entirely sure too much about uh, how the Peanuts movie did in the U.K.,
2: you mean Charlie Brown and Snoopy, colon, a Peanuts movie? Yeah. Uh, it, I, Yeah, I don't think it made that big an impact, really. Mm. Partly because it came out, like, four days after Star Wars. Uh,
1: yeah, I can imagine that hurting it quite a bit.
2: Yeah, but my niece said she wants to see... She said, I want to see Snoopy. Yeah, because as Dan has said on several occasions, they're really selling it as a Snoopy movie.
1: When it's yeah. more, when it's really more about Char- Charlie Brown, Snoopy's just a very entertaining side character.
2: Yeah, which is why I think they might have some disappointed audiences mm-hmm. <laughs> who are going for a Snoopy movie and they're getting a Charlie Brown movie or a Peanuts movie. But yeah, but just the fact that you know that's an old, you know, classic franchise, and it's being done in a sort of an old classic style. Mm-hmm. And that it, you know, it's been well received pretty much across the board. So I think there may be a relationship there. That you know, if Peanuts movie can work, then maybe Popeye can work for a modern audience as well.
1: It's worth, you know, considering uh, Peanuts' a success. It's in the, at least in the, this country. It would be, a, you know, I wouldn't blame them for wanting to experiment. And at least with the animation style that uh, that Blue Sky was showing off with Peanuts, I would love to see that more. Like. Films based on cartoon franchises Because at least it looks like it can do It can do it justice And it's a very unique and cool animation style So I would love to see more of anyway So We'll have to wait and see How that pans out Awesome And that pretty much does it for the news So I guess we'll move That means we can move right along into our next uh, Our next section, you know, what we've watched this week And do you want to Do you want to start, Chris?
2: Okay, I'll kick off. Um I've watched a few different bits this week, include including um I finished off watching the series Beyond the Boundary that I talked about last week. Um I basically said last week the main thing I said was that it was very pretty, uh, which is still true. Um but I actually finished watching it and I really enjoyed it. Um as I mentioned last week, it is a fantasy supernatural type series where there are creatures um called y- yoma that are created from human negative emotions like resentment and hatred and stuff mm-hmm. and there are a bunch of people called spirit world warriors who can see the said yoma and if they cause trouble they can kill them um and strangely enough some of these people are high schoolers you never guess um
1: only teens can save the world apparently
2: well there are also there is one uh spirit world warrior who is not like a teenager Mm -hmm. one of the the teachers is also a spirit world warrior oh okay well that's cool there you go yeah and as it's got i just really like the atmosphere stuff. it's got this great sort of melancholy atmosphere and um it's but the animation's very pretty, as I said, and the action's pretty well done. And yeah, <laughs> I, how,
1: would, how would you rate the characters in terms of like a? Because I mean, since it, like you said, it was a high school environment. So like you know, is it one of those like anime shows that have like a really large cast and you get to know a little bit about each of them, or do we have just like a core central cast that we get to learn a lot of a lot about and get to
2: Attached to, yeah, there aren't that many characters, um, and to be honest, they're sort of fairly generic anime trope characters. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, the the main guy who is half human, half Yoma. um, He is yeah, so he is a mortal. Oh, let let me just tell you how the series starts um, because it's quite an interesting introduction the first scene in it um the main character is sort of doing a monologue about suicide for some reason and then okay. then he and it says how he'd probably never kill himself um <laughs> mm-hmm. but then then he sees this girl on the top of of the building about to throw herself off apparently um
1: this is a really yeah. cheery opening
3: just
2: this yeah. um yeah like i said it's got a sort of melancholic atmosphere the whole the whole series Um, which, you know, gives it sort of a unique thing rather than, you know, another big cheery rom-com or whatever. It's got more of a dark sort of feeling. Um, Yeah, and so he decides to try and talk her out of killing herself and his way of doing that, she's wearing glasses and he says, I really like girls with glasses. You look hot in glasses or something along those lines. Oh, my Um, goodness you know that's standard the way you try and talk someone out of suicide obviously
1: don't and kill yourself i think you're
3: hot it might work
2: uh, <laughs> and uh then she turns around and pulls a, a sword out of nowhere and stabs him in the tum- stomach that's how the series starts roll titles <laughs> oh
1: my okay um
2: oh hello <laughs> you have my attention
1: anime only an anime yeah. Would but, that would they have a sequence of events like that? Suicide followed by I think you're hot in glasses followed by stabbed in the stomach. Yes. Um, <laughs> Leaps and logic only brought to you by Japanese anime. She
2: can pull. She can pull swords out of her blood. You see, it turns out she is she's, she's got a particular ability. Um, and he can't die because he's half human, half Yoma. So she then decides that she's going to keep practicing on him. He's not so keen on that idea. So she'll
1: so, so continually be stabbing him again and again and again throughout the
2: course of the show. It's, it I, I sort of only goes on for a little bit because then, then she tries to go out and get other Yomas and stuff. And then there's this other really weird episode where, because like the Yomas, there's all different types. There's like mm-hmm. hum, there's like humanoid ones and some of them are sort of kind of like, I, I think you said you haven't ever watched Evangelion, mm-hmm. but
1: no Um, i've been recommended not to watch it to be honest with you but (laughs) because i've told i've been told it goes to very strange places but that's another story for another time
2: the um the designs of the angels in that there are some like really surreal strange creatures and stuff yeah Um, sort of the designs of some of the yomas are sort of like that um okay and there's this one episode where there is a particular yoma that's like a big eye um and oh, <laughs> they discover that this this Yoma's got a bit of an eye for their ladies, um, so <laughs> they decide to try and distract it so that they can kill it. Um, oh
3: um, my god!
1: This this is probably going to go where I think it's going to go, isn't it?
2: Discover it likes mu- music, so they have to try and learn a and like a J-pop idol style dance to try and distract it.
1: Of course they do, because reasons
2: but that episode isn't like any of the others that is it, it's just a really bizarre episode but most of the time it's actually sort of kind of a bit more dark and serious but
3: mm-hmm.
2: just like all those bizarre elements and everything um, I really enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> well
3: know, that's I'm good I mean it, I trust I, I your judgement I'm making it Yeah, you
2: know, I don't know that I'm selling it very well but
3: I think the best RPA.
2: way the best way for me to sell it is to say read my review I would say on adults dot com, and I think I explain it better in words than I do trying to rabble on here.
1: Yeah, that's that, so. that's totally okay. I mean, yeah, I, I read your article and it was very good. You just, everyone should go read it, by the way. But um, no, the fact okay. that you you told me the opening, you know, in terms of the, the sequence of events in the very opening, hey, I'm already sold. It's just like, like I said, the only like jumps and like jumping in logic from one situation to the next to the next to the next that only anime can do. That I'm kind of actually endeared to at this point. So I just kind of want to see, okay, how can we go through those things and then just go and you know make a series out of that.
2: Yeah, I have to say it goes a long way if there's just an anime that just makes you go, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> that that quite often just makes me. I'm going to watch this just because I don't know what the hell I'm watching. Um, Yeah, so I watched that (laughs) Jason
1: Point, our topic for today Dragon Ball Z Which we'll get to, but anything else you'd like to talk about First
2: Uh, Yes, I also watched um, The Oscar nominated short um, World of Tomorrow from Don Hertzfeld Which is available on US Netflix And is like 16 minutes long or something Mm -hmm. Um, It's the first time I've watched Anything by Don Hertzfeld How was it? It was great um, it's really odd <laughs> um this, the style of it is incredibly simple it's like stick figures um really? yeah but i I don't really want to explain what it's about because uh, I think it's best just to watch it but I wasn't expecting it to be funny um and it was funny oh. um because avon talked about watching a don herstfeld thing and i I don't really know that she knew what to make of it she was like i yeah. <laughs>
3: it was a thing that
1: happened.
2: Yeah, she, I don't know if she was sure if she liked it or whether it, it was. But, you know, she was, I think, fascinated by it, but she wasn't quite sure if it was a positive reaction or not. And yeah. it made, made me think that his stuff might be, you know, I don't know that I'd get on with it. But mm-hmm. this, is, it's, like I say, it's like 16 minutes or something, mm-hmm. and it's funny. And it's also got some interesting ideas in it. But, um, yeah, Oscar liked it. Oscar people liked it. Animation department of the Oscar Academy, even. So you can check that out for free if you've got Netflix. Um,
1: All right. Well, I do have Netflix, so I will have to look at it. And so basically it's a little – it is It is funny, but just got a really – maybe got a, like a weird twist on like the humor, maybe.
3: hmm Okay. Yeah
2: um and one other thing i i actually watched was the first episode of fox's new prime time animated program that's apparently taken America dad's spot now that it's which, which that
1: was it's, called
2: and it is called border town
1: oh i think i've seen uh commercials for that on tv but I haven't really paid attention to much paid paid too much attention to it other than that. So, how was it?
2: Um it's bad.
3: Oh no.
2: <laughs> I've only watched one episode, and I normally like to give things more than one episode before I sort of write them off. But
3: was it too
1: pain do you think sitting down for another episode would be too painful?
2: Yeah, I I think I I might watch like one more maybe, I don't know, but oh, no. but it's it's just that it's that thing you know the whole try hard to be controversial, let's be really shocking.
1: let's make fun of everything and shock people, kind of thing, yeah,
2: basically, like the complete you know worst side of family guy type thing mm-hmm. i I have sort of a I've got a bit of a mixed relationship with family guy in that I liked it when it first came on. And then when it went away and came back, I then put it rubbish, and I sort of occasionally got back into it for a bit. And then I went, no, this is terrible. And then, and I've now got to the point where I will, I watch it like if it's on TV or Netflix or whatever. I, you know, I'll be able to watch it for a bit, and I will just accept that parts of it I just think are awful. <laughs> oh dear! There's whole whole sections of it that just I think don't work. Um, but this the whole thing no. Would <laughs> um, you
1: be able to give a dis- at least from the one episode you saw like a kind of description of what it may be about at least, or could you not even glean that from the very first episode?
2: No, no, I know exactly what it's about. <laughs> it's about um, it's set in somewhere called Mexifornia, which is on the me on the border of Mexico and California. Mm-hmm. You'd ever guess, and original um, name. yeah, hence border town, um. And the main character is a guy who works for, like, the border agent, border control, whatever, I don't know, uh, border agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and next, he doesn't like immigrants, doesn't like Mexicans, basically. Only there's a family of Mexicans who live next door. <gasps> Shocker.
3: Oh, no. The scandal.
2: And then, and then his, in the first episode... He finds out that his daughter is going out with a Mexican.
1: <gasps> this this show sounds, I mean, from the, from the description you're giving me, it sounds like it's already going down to a bad place that people really shouldn't go to try and make, in terms of humour.
2: You know, there's that whole thing where they're sort of, you know, it's okay to make jokes about things as long as they're funny, um, <laughs> in a way, but just there's when you just try too hard to be really, like uh something about mexicans uh, or when family guy goes like we're gonna say something about jewish people oh aren't we naughty oh that we say things about everything so it's okay and sometimes it's just like no 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 it's not <laughs> it's really not um and i've i thought you know i should Maybe try and read up a bit about it before I I slag it off, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I don't want to go calling out, you know, say this show's really offensive, racist or something, mm-hmm. when I don't know, you know, I don't I don't want to go calling out the people who made it as racist or anything. They uh, they may not be, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do feel like it, it kind of might appeal to Donald Trump voters. Is all I'm saying. Um, um. <laughs> Um but I I, I appreciate
1: that at least, but that's...
2: and I found out that it is um created by someone who worked on Family Guy, Shocker, um uh, okay. and executive produced by Seth McFarlane. Um mm-hmm. but it's at the end of the day, just not funny, really. Uh
1: Seth MacFarlane, you can do better.
2: And I'm disappointed because Hank Azaria is the main voice.
3: aww um,
2: He's basically doing comic book guy.
3: That's oh
1: man, that's a shame.
2: And, and let me just say, worst show ever. <laughs> it's, it's that's a terrible impression, and it's not the worst show ever, but it, it's not good. Um, and we want more animated shows that are not like this, please. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's like we've. You've, in terms of adult comedy animation shows, there have been, there are better. South Park's better. Episodes of Family Guy are better. I would say even, like, American Dad and Cleveland show are better if you if it has to be any, like, Seth MacFarlane, you know, produced or directed show. So go see those before you see this.
2: I I actually think American Dad's quite a bit better. I think the fact that it's got a... I think it's got a focus, you know, it's got a specific... It's more... It's less scattershot. It's, you know, got a particular focus of satirizing in particular style mm-hmm. of person and things, you know, it's
1: Persons, people, it, you know the fact that it's, you know, mo- much like most of like the, like a family sitcom kind of like premise or show like the the Simpsons were
2: It's got all the random stuff in it as well but it's mm-hmm. also it's got the whole, let's satirise conservatives type thing It's mm-hmm. It's more focused, I think, and I think it's better for it than Family Guy, which is just a bit a little bit A little
1: ev- little of stuff. everything,
2: mm-hmm. but that's that's either, neither here nor there because that's not the show we were talking about. But Border yeah. Town, I'd say uh, you can skip it. It's okay. <laughs> uh,
1: you won't have missed anything.
2: No, uh, and from what I've heard, not many people disagree with me either because I I think it's gone doesn't go down very well. Ah,
1: so. uh, okay. Well, if it's as bad as you say, then I'm I can't say I'm surprised. Anyways, uh, that's everything, Chris. Uh, Yep, that's me. I really, personally, I don't have that much else to contribute to uh, what we've watched this week because I really haven't had too much time to watch. But even though I did have an entire, an entire day the other day when uh, I had to stay home and get barricaded in my house from the snow, I, uh, I did take the opportunity to watch something and just, I thought it would be more constructive, you know, watching something that was Related to what we were going to talk about today. So I kind of rewatched watched most... Uh, at least a good season of uh, the original Dragon Ball yeah. show. And it was... It was fun. I regret nothing. It was it, one of my... It was, what was one of my favorite seasons. It was the um, the second world tournament arc. Where they uh, first meet uh, the um, the three-eyed character, Tien. Do you oh,
2: right, know yeah. who he is? I do know who he is, yes.
1: That was... I remember, cause I'll, we'll get to it when we enter, uh, we talk about, um, you know, our experiences with Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, that, um, I had already seen, like, I, that was my, literally one of my, only a second introduction to that character, but it was my first time seeing how he got to know the main characters in the original show in that season. It's like, wow, he's a lot different than I remember him being when I first started watching this thing. Because he'd already known the other all the other characters by then, so this was my first time seeing him get introduced to the rest of the group, and it's just like, oh, he's kind of a jerk.
3: <laughs> he was kind <laughs>
1: of a jerk when they first met him, <laughs> like most people are when they meet first meet Goku, and then he just kind of has this effect on them where they become not jerks.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of a running theme through Dragon Ball and a lot of like Shonen Jump things actually. Mm-hmm. People people start off as a as a villain and then they end up as friends and it's all nice isn't it (laughs) good message for children
1: yeah but that was really really all like I can I can talk a little bit more about the season if anyone's curious when we get actually get into the discussion which we could start talking about now if we wanted to
3: why not why not
1: transition or segue I don't want to look for catchphrase now but um, yeah so before we get into the talking about the new movies uh, Chris what was your uh, what was your experience uh, with the getting into the Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z media
2: well it's I think it's a bit different to me from a lot of people who like grew up with it like watching it on tsunami or whatever when they were because um, it wasn't on when I, I was growing up. Um, uh, it was. I basically first heard about Dragon Ball um, when I was like first getting in into and discovering what anime was. Um, it was kind of like this mythical thing that I saw pictures of in Nintendo magazines and then later anime magazines are like this. This is Dragon Ball Z, or Z as I would have called it. Um, <laughs> this is Sailor Moon, this is Ranma Half, whatever. And they're like, oh, what are these things? These are exotic and exciting, and I can't watch them. Um, <laughs> and it basically just carried on like that for a while. And then, like, when... Actually, like, one of the very first anime magazines I bought ever had a big article on Dragon Ball. And at this point, you still couldn't get it anywhere. Um, I don't think it was even... I don't think the manga had even been translated or anything. It was just like, oh, this looks so cool. <laughs> and, the, you know, there was all the, like... There were like games for the snares and stuff, like. But even those were like import things that you.
3: Yeah, and
1: imports like that you would have to cheat in order to like get to work.
2: I didn't have the money for that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like like years pocket money or something, I couldn't afford that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, and then, so I didn't actually get. Actually, the first first um, time I I read the manga, strangely enough, was in French.
3: Really?
2: Before before it came out in English, um, we we used to go to France every summer because my dad used to work over there. He used to run run a barge on the canals, and we used oh. to we used to have like canal holidays every summer, like for my entire childhood. Um, That's awesome. Used to go around the French hypermarkets, which are so supermarkets only bigger, um, <laughs> and they had. They're really into their manga and their anime in France and they used to get huge sections of everything. And I discovered that they had French versions of Dragon Ball, like in little little like novel size. This was like years before at that time, if you bought manga it'd be like huge and flipped and everything and really yeah, expensive deep, and Yeah,
1: be really, really rare.
2: And you had to you could only get it from comic shops and things like that. Mm-hmm. But this this was like like you got like you get graphic novels now manga ones like you know that sort of size Mm -hmm. but they did them in france years before and it was all in french obviously it was still flipped and i didn't i don't think i was even learning french at that point but i was just like this is so cool
1: (laughs) did you have to try and follow along like with the pictures like you could you could you tell what was going on or was just one of those like things like you had no idea what was going on but it looked cool
2: I, I tried, I tried my best. <laughs> um, and you know, it was all in French and I didn't, and it was like a random volume as well. I just picked one. <laughs> it was, wasn't the first one. And then it was, it'd be years later before I actually, um, got to read it in English and like, Oh yeah, this is really awesome. And then when it was actually finally on TV, it was like only on satellite, um, in the UK, um, so I didn't actually get to see any of it till I was old enough to afford to buy satellite TV on my own when I was growing up or whatever. So I and th- at that point, Dragon Ball Z was like halfway through or you know, eight, one eight, just in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So I I couldn't watch it, but I, I
1: hard to really say what's the middle of the show considering how long the show ran for. Well over 100 episodes,
3: I'm sure.
2: Yeah, well, it was just running. uh, And if you tried to watch it, you'd be like, I have no idea what's going on. Um, (laughs) But they started showing the original Dragon Ball, which I had read the comics of and loved. um, Mm -hmm. Because I just think those early comics are just genius. They are. I I remember a review of it that said, if I was 12 years old, I think this is the greatest comic ever. And I thought, yeah, I, I can understand that. Maybe I'm... Mentally, twelve years old still, um, and they're just really funny and got a good set of adventure and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I wasn't so fast when it got into tournaments and stuff, so I just bought the first few, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, so then I watched a bit of Dragon Ball, the original series on TV, mm-hmm. and then I didn't actually like sit down and actually watch proper Dragon Ball Z until it finally came out on DVD in the UK oh. only a few years ago um because it didn't come out on DVD for years because some French company had the UK rights by accident <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't want they, they couldn't be bothered to do anything with them so they just were sitting on them and no one in the UK could release it
3: <laughs> no foiled again uh,
2: and then during the time that I started writing for my M magazine, so only like three years ago or something, mm-hmm. it finally started coming out in like the big box sets, and I was like, "Oh, I can actually sit down and watch
1: and watch, watch it now, all like over a hundred episodes of it.
2: <laughs> but I, I haven't seen. I still, I don't think I've seen all of it. Still, you know, it was like the the review copies I got, and I think I, I didn't see the very beginning or something. So mm-hmm. I've. Yeah, I've got a really strange history with Dragon Ball.
3: That's okay.
1: It's considering uh, how hard it was to get a hold of. I can't say I blame you.
2: So I've seen most of. I have now seen most of the original Dragon Ball, uh, Mm -hmm. because I then got the the, that to review as well. Mm -hmm. And I have seen most of Dragon Ball Z. um, I think from about like the second volume to the end. I think um, second box set. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe one missing in the end middle somewhere (laughs) and I have then started watching Dragon Ball Kai as well
1: oh yeah the the re-edited re-release of uh, the original series
2: and also some of GT, but we can ignore that, I think. Um,
1: yeah, especially with uh, these new, since these new movies have kind of sort of written off GT as non-canon anyway. So
2: I was, was going to bring that up. I was like, does does GT just not exist anymore? <laughs> it's,
1: I think the general consensus is that it doesn't exist anymore, but I don't know. At least, uh, because there's there's something at least I could get into. Um, I think because there's the because GT was directed and I, I think and written by you know by someone else other than Toriyama so mm-hmm. a lot of people took offense to that series and how just kind of it's kind of it, the series went very much its own way and just did a whole lot of made a lot of different decisions in terms of the story and characters that people got really offended with or just did, really just didn't like so um but supposedly there was a whole like side story that a Toriyama did i think it was for this um online game uh that there was like a, it was a korean game that was a kind of like an mmorpg of dragon ball and basically kind of set you know a couple years in the future past the se- past the original dragon ball series where you know like and and a whole story bent off that and it's like oh well Toriyama wrote that so that's got to be the you know what fans consider the canon you know Passage of time in terms of the Dragon Ball world after Z ended. But it's still like... I, I really its I really don't know. And honestly, at this point, I don't really know if I care or not in terms of whether or not GT is canon. I would personally prefer it if it not be canon because I like the way the series is... I like the way the series is heading now.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was one of those people who, you know, a couple decisions that they made in that story like some of the ideas were interesting in gt but i just they were poorly executed so i don't know i was just like a, like a different take on you know how the world's going to progress after the original show ended but that's that's my that's my opinion it's like the, it had potential gt but it just did not deliver at least not in the same way that the two previous uh series did
2: But it was a blatant cash grab, wasn't it? Because it... it, Yeah. It uh, started, like, literally the week. Dragon Ball Z finished, I think, like, the week after. Because Toriyama was done with it at that point. Yeah, he
1: he wanted to just... Well, I can't necessarily blame him. He's been tied to that, you know, the the franchise for so long. Just, like, you know, I... Just like a uh, um Kishimoto from Naruto's was like he just, he just doesn't mm-hmm. want to be involved anymore, and I can't say I blame them. After that's you know a project that takes up years of your life, you're gonna to want to do something new after a while.
2: Yeah, so he he was completely done with that, and they just went, well, we can't let this go away
1: because it makes <laughs> too like... much money.
2: So let's basically just go back to the beginning. <laughs>
1: let's, let's let's make Goku let's... a kid again. He was cuter when he was a kid. Yeah, but it... Just... No. <laughs> just no.
2: It's like the Muppet Babies of... <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. Except it's not.
1: Muppet Babies. Oh my god. That, that, now that... that now you just got this really bad image in my head, Chris, and now I'm trying to get it out. Oh
2: my god. No, they should have literally got the Muppet Babies. They should have done... like. Had them all that, baby eyes. That'd
1: be funny as hell.
2: That'd be much better. Like,
1: if you, I can only imagine now um, having Goku, Vegeta, Piccolo, Krillin, maybe one or two other characters, or maybe like Bulma, all as like all in like kid form and just having them all interact with each other. And I'm like, God, I think actually that's like Tor- Toriyama level hilarious right there. Let's do that. <laughs> for like
3: just Toriyama, if you're listening.
1: Just an episode. Not a whole series, just an episode. That'd be like, hey, maybe Super could do that. I don't know.
3: <laughs> maybe,
1: maybe. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's in in terms of my experience with um, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. I'll admit it's I I was I'm a big one of the reasons I'm a big fan is because I did grow up with it. I remember like the first couple episodes I ever saw. I think it was actually. My last one of my last two years in living in uh, London, England. That was actually because we I think Toonami they had Toonami airing on Cartoon Network at the time, and that's where they were airing like the couple episodes of the very first uh, season of Dragon Ball Z, which I came in on. And uh, you know I'd never seen a cartoon like it before. It was it was funny and it had a very just unique look to it, and it wasn't afraid to get really really serious. Like I remember the very first season, like you should, like most of these characters you see, you should already know by Dragon, you know, by watching Dragon Ball, which I unfortunately hadn't seen at that point because they hadn't aired it on TV yet, at least now that I, that I had seen. And then in the very first saga, ca- all these characters who you know you got to, you had supposedly gotten to know just start get just started getting killed off like right and left, and I'm just like, wait. They're not, you know, like you just hit them with an anvil, you know, they fall there, they're going to pretend to be dead and they just pop right back up. No, they're dead. They're legit dead. And it was, it was, I mean, probably somewhat traumatizing for a young child, you know, seven, eight years old to just see, Mm -hmm. right, you know, unsupervised. But I'll admit it got me hooked. I was, I wanted to see, you know they talked about, you know, oh, we can get the Dragon Balls and we can wish everyone back to life. I'm like, yes, I would like this. I would like to see where this goes. And then it got into this whole, you know, intergalactic traveling through space to different planets and different worlds and martial, you know, martial arts actions in space and just, you know, it was was history from then on. And just, I watched as many episodes as I could get a hand on. And when I moved back to the U.S., I found out that there were videotapes of it that they were selling at video stores, and I got as many as I could possibly get away with and just kept watching as many episodes as, you know, they aired. And then it was around that same time, like you said, midway through the series when they actually started airing episodes of Dragon Ball, you know, I figured it was, oh, this is like the prequel to Dragon Ball Z, so I'll, I'll watch that. And in all honesty, as much as I love Dragon Ball Z and the fact that it was my introduction to this whole world that Toriyama had created in terms of like overall quality of a show and tone, I think Dragon Ball itself was probably the better put together of the two, to be honest.
2: No, I, I I love original Dragon Ball. I'm, I have often said that I actually prefer Dragon Ball pre-Z. <laughs> pre <Pre-Z. laughs>
1: Yeah. I remember like um, one of my, uh, well, my experience watching, watching Dragon Ball after watching like a good bit of Dragon Ball Z, like almost to the end of like the second to last arc. They, um, yeah, I started watching the whole, the series and just really enjoying it. You know, the adventurous romp that it was. And then you just, I realized, you know, the more, the later on in Dragon Ball that it got, the closer we were getting to Z. It's like, oh my gosh. So like, they're going to bridge the gap between these two shows and it's going to be great. And then they introduced, um, in the original Dragon Ball, they introduced, uh, King Peckalo, and was like, no, wait, I know him! He was in Dragon Ball Z, he's a good guy there, but here he's a bad guy! This is awesome!
2: Yeah, it's kind of weird the way they went, no, you have Z first, then... (laughs) And that's the way it's worked pretty much everywhere in the West, I think. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because, like, the Dragon Ball box sets, like, when I said about the, um, the, when... Dragon Ball Z finally started coming out in the UK in those box sets. Then it was only like after they finished that, they went, now nah, we can have Dragon Ball.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really neat in terms of, um, the, the transition with the dubbing that they did for that show. That was, it was, it was really, cause I remember originally the, um, the episodes that I watched were, uh, I think were dubbed in Canada because I know there were a good deal of, uh, Canadian voice actors involved in the project. And I remember, um, Brian, you know, Brian Drummond was Vegeta, Um, Scott McNeil as Piccolo and a whole bunch of other, I wish, those are the only two I can remember off the top of my head, but I know there were others who did all wonderful, wonderful jobs. And then I remember just like through the part where they went to um, Planet Namek and got involved with Frieza and everything, that it was around that point in time where the dub transitioned over to Funimation because I think that's where they got the rights to the show. And I don't know why I mean, I noticed something was up with the voices, like how they were a little different when, you know, with the new cast and everything. But at the same time, I'm just, it was such a subtle of a change. I think I I barely, I it barely even registered right off, you know, right off the bat. So I just kept like, oh well, they sound kind of similar. So I just kept watching as if nothing had happened. And then, then only once I had, you know, had better internet access that I could actually like look into what happened. It's like, oh. So that's how the, the rights changed over to this studio, and they were cast as new people, and, you know, this this voice actor did, like, five different people in, this, in the show. But it's it's really just, I also got really fascinated, like, you know, just after Funimation got a hold of that show, how they just, like, held on to it and never let go, because it's, like, their main money, it was, like, became their, like, their main money maker. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you don't let go of something like that.
1: No, I mean, they'd be, they'd be fools not to, but it was, you know, it, it's kind of helped, especially with, um, in terms of, like, the overall continuity, like, you know, watching that with their, you know, the new Funimation voices in Dragon Ball Z, and then they got the rights to do Dragon Ball, and they had those same actors come back and play all the characters who, in Dragon Ball, who were introduced there, and then, you know, carry over into Z, so that was a really interesting early television experience in terms of, like, you know, being able to hear these characters just have one voice and not interchanging between different actors constantly cuz what happened with some dubs i think early on when they were when dubbing companies were still getting the hang of that
2: i believe they actually tried airing original dragon ball first like way back in the 90s like i think it was like in one of the very early anime magazines i had there was like mm-hmm. a col- column like they were trying to show dragon ball in the us but they've had to cut this out and do this and that, and because they, one of the things I remember them doing was that they added digital trunks to um, Goku because he likes to um he he lacks body modesty, I'd say. Um, <laughs> he wonders yeah, that yeah 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 um so they had to sort that out. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it. yeah I remember they would do that for a lot of early like you know anime shows, especially on tsunami, like um. Tenchi Muyo—they did that a lot <laughs> with the ladies. Yeah, and,
2: they, and they tried to air that, and it didn't do very well. So.
1: So they stopped that, and they years. did. They went. Yeah. They went straight into Dragon Ball Z, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm. But you know, years later, I guess so.
1: Hey, I'm I'm not complaining. I mean, that meant I got mm-hmm. to see the whole of Dragon Ball on t- television mm-hmm. just around the same time I was watching Z, and it was just like Dragon Ball overload for me, and I loved every single second of it.
2: It must must be a bit different though if, if you actually got to see Dragon Ball first and then it transitions into. Well, a, yeah, because if um, you
1: really like look at it, the the kind of it almost goes almost goes through a complete uh, tonal tonal shift with uh, mm-hmm. between drag, where Dragon Ball ends and uh, Z starts because up until you know Dragon Ball Z, it was mainly just kind of like a you know fantasy adventure you know adventure show with you know zany martial arts action and you know the only time it ever got really seriously dramatic is when um during the King Piccolo uh sagas in Dragon Mm -hmm. Ball that's like the only real big major threat that Goku ever had to face and then all of a sudden in Dragon Ball Z stars, you know you see how he's grown up and then all of a sudden aliens start showing up and kicking the crap out of everybody it's like wait there are aliens in this world (laughs) what and not only and not um, only that, Goku is one of them.
3: Yeah, I thought he was exactly, the strange correct. monkey
1: child who lived out in the forest. I thought there was more right. mysticism in his origins than sci-fi.
2: I don't know if anyone's ever found out for sure whether he just went, oh, yeah, I'm just going to decide he's an alien. <laughs> or whether he was like, ah, ah, from the beginning. He's an alien, I'm not going to tell anyone for, like, ten years.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's... it's <laughs> I think only Toriyama knows exactly what his thoughts were cuz either I mean either way I don't really care cuz it is what it is now and there's no taking that mm-hmm. back but I don't mind it <laughs> I mean <laughs> the whole Dragon the whole Dragon Ball uh series was supposed to be like um a reinterpretation of the Journey West which was like a Chinese uh book or like a fairy tale kind of thing and it was and you can if you really like if you know the material of that story and look at Dragon Ball like you can see some similarities but really it's more Toriyama's own creation than, you know, it's like a straight up, you know, reinterpretation of a fairy tale, you know, a story like that. I
2: I just love the world that he's created. It's so bizarre. <laughs> it's
1: bizarre, quirky, you know, what have you? I mean, there look at it. There are dinosaurs walking around in the wilderness. There are
2: flying cars. There are
1: flying cars that are are you can keep entire buildings and like machines in these little capsule devices that you can just pop open and boom you have a house and then uh and then of course there are the uh anthropomorphic uh animal people that walk around.
2: Yep. <laughs> yep, there's pig men and and just that
1: can shapeshift.
2: Yep. And there's but there's also martial arts and Sort of Chinese, Chinese-based geography and everything, and all just randomly thrown together, Mm-mm. and it's like this doesn't make any sense. It's amazing.
1: It's like it doesn't make any sense, but it, like in you know, and lot you know logical sense, but at the same time, like you feel like it makes sense in its own like world thing. Like there's a, there yeah. is a some kind of like hodgepodge structure to it that somehow keeps it all together and. I don't know, personally, I just, like, I really like to find out more about it. <laughs> that's why I always enjoy seeing more, anyth- like, Dragon Ball-related anything, because, like, oh, I get to find out more about, you know, stuff that's going on in this crazy, zany world, universe, place that Toriyama's made.
2: That's kind of thing is that Dragon Ball stuck around a lot of the time due to video games. Mm-hmm. The, video, the video games never went away, and... They'd, They'd just be kept making more. <laughs> yeah. There'd just be a new Dragon Ball Budokai or whatever game every few years. So I think like a lot of like younger people probably got in discovered what Dragon Ball was through the games.
1: Yeah, and there would be like I remember you know the different series that were coming out and that they would be released almost in time with the fighting the fighting games that were coming out at the time. Like I remember, uh, what was it? Was it Tenkaichi? It was it was one of the ones where. It was released around the same time, like, around the time GT was airing. So it had a lot of, like, GT characters in it and, um, stuff like that. So it was kind of like, you know, cross advertising for that. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll never forget. There was, I forget, I forget which one there was. Cause, like, there were, like I said, there were so many of these games. But there was, uh, one of the, like, it's one of the neatest menu screens I'd ever seen in a Dragon Ball video game where it has, all the characters like piled it, like drawn into like this car. They're all piled in together, and they look like they're all like going to like some kind of like beach party or something. And just like you see Goku with Chi Chi and Gohan, you know, as an you know an adult with Videl, and you know they're all family. You know, Bulma's there with Vegeta and all the other characters. So basically, like making this like mile high pile of characters all in this one tiny car. Mm-hmm. All driven, all being driven by Piccolo in the front seat of the car, and he's just looking very annoyed to be there. And I'm just, I, I just mm-hmm. flat out died. Just like, okay, okay, game. Even if you're, even if I don't like the gameplay, at least you get points for having the the good sense of humor that Dragon Ball should have.
2: Shall, shall we get into the movies themselves?
1: Yeah, that's. You know, I think it's probably about time we did that after talking <laughs> almost all too much about the show. Just so everyone's aware, uh, before we get into talking about the movies, there it, I am going to put a spoiler tag on this because we are going to talk... There, We're going to try not to spoil as much of the movie as we can, but there might be a couple points where we might have to talk about a little bit of the stuff that happened. So just so everyone's aware, we do talk some spoilers, so get that out of the way. But, um, yeah, I have to admit... When I uh like I think it was the very first film, should we start with like the with the very first one that aired after who knows how many years after the show's been yep. out the air?
2: Eighteen years it was apparently from the last movie till mm-hmm. Battle of the Gods came out. Yeah,
1: and um I have to say if they were gonna re- revamp the series with the movie, they couldn't have picked a better way to go about it with this than what they chose to go with because I think out of the two between Battle of Gods and Resurrection of F, I think probably stated this in a previous podcast, but I'll say it again. Battle of Gods is definitely the better movie in my That's opinion. So <laughs> like if I, if you had to say, you know, separate the two movies, one Resurrection of F is probably more a accol- Like it's got a lot more of like the Dragon Ball Z, you know, infamous aspects where it's got like this really crazy action, you know, lots of you know, some drama and uh just crazy antics and uh big battles, transformations, all that. Whereas Battle of Gods was, I would say, more inclined of Dragon Ball. It's a bit more mysticism, zany humor, and uh, you still got the action, but it's it's not as it's not the forefront or the focus. It's more of like the you know icing on the cake kind of thing. Yeah, kind of I,
3: thing.
2: I remember I I said that. To, pe- to uh, when i saw it that i thought battle of the gods felt more like dragon ball than dragon <laughs> Ball z and that's probably why i loved it so much because <laughs> it, like, it was like yeah, yeah, yeah this is and I, I i think it might be because of um because of akira toriyama's being directly involved with it um mm-hmm. because as i said when when z finished he was done with it, you know. He was like, I've had enough of this. I've been doing this since, what, 1984 or something? <laughs> too I've, long. It's I've too been, long. I've been chained to my desk. They've been like, Come on, come on, give us more Dragon Ball. We need it. We need it. Here's some we money. can make
1: more money, more toys, more everything.
2: And, you know, it's not a particularly fun life being a Japanese manga creator of one of these big shows. Cause no. You're just, yeah, you've got assistance and stuff. But the, um,. The schedule is punishing. And I don't know that the pay really makes it worth it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so he was done with that. But, you know, all these years later, he, you know, he's he's a bit older and, and he's ready to come back, I think. And um, I've got the impression that that's kind of where his wheelhouse is, is the more the adventure and the fun and the, and the comedy. And that's what he prefers to do because... Like, all the things he's released post-Dragon Ball have been more like that, I think. Um, Like, um, is it Jacko the... um,
1: Oh, Jacko the Patrolman, the Galactic Patrolman. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Who is obviously in the new movie, and I want want a series of him now.
1: Oh, God, (laughs) yes, please. That would be hilarious, Um, because, I mean, I was a bit worried when... um, I, when I saw Resurrection of F, and uh, I saw that he was actually going to be part of the ma- part of the main cast for it, and I'm like, oh well, that's great. But he's never barely been introduced in any of the other like Dragon Ball media. Like they, I was I was really ho- really hoping that maybe they would wait to introduce him in like the when, when that was around the time we first heard about the you know Dragon Ball Super coming. I was like, wait, shouldn't you introduce him in Super and then maybe have the film and introduce him there so people know who he is. But really, at least with the way they handled Resurrection of F, that was, you know, that movie was in itself was a perfect introduction to anyone who hadn't seen the the manga series that uh Toriyama did with him. It was just you you basically learned everything about him that you really need to know right off the bat and he's a you know, you don't learn too much, but he's still a hilarious character.
2: So I think he's he prefers like the the more fun and adventure and stuff to the big bombastic action, and
1: yeah, I think cause he's, I think that's where the commercial aspect of Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z really comes in. But continue with your thought.
2: Yeah, and I think probably what happened was you know the editors or whatever were like, well, this stuff with the um, with the tournaments is really successful, so do more like that. Basically, I think, but he'd rather be doing because like, have you ever read any? Doctor Slump, like his first manga, his
1: manga. Um, a little bit. I wish I hadn't seen too much other than that. Like I remember reading like the first couple chapters of it, and I that then I somehow I lost track of the rest. So I wanted to, I wanted to find out more, but I didn't get the opportunity to.
2: Because you know that's straight up comedic and everything, and actually, there's actually. A little, there's a little crossover in Dragon Ball.
1: Yes, there is. Penguin uh, Village is, I believe. Penguin Village. Where Arale yeah. is. And I'm like, you know what? I really wish that maybe at some point they would have more crossovers with her and like, once they got into Dragon Ball Z territory, cause like, she kicked the crap out of so many people. <laughs> this little, <laughs> this little girl character. <laughs> would have been funny to watch, but unfortunately it was not to be. But whatever, the little cameo that she did have was very entertaining.
2: Yeah, But I think So perhaps the fact that he was Directly involved in Battle of the Gods uh, Was probably why it felt more Dragon Ball than Dragon Ball Z um,
1: Just from the new characters alone I mean both um, The new characters that were introduced in Battle of Gods Both uh, Beerus The God of Destruction and uh, His attendant Whis were So so much fun They were great additions oh, to the cast Great
2: yeah I, w- I would say probably, I know you, it's it's a bit of a, hard to say if you describe him as villain particularly, but he he's right up there. If you were to do a list of the best villains in Dragon Ball, I'd say Beerus is pretty high up there.
1: To be honest, I think he's probably the best out of every single one of them. I mean, Frieza's, Frieza was scary, and he was, you know... More, more intimidating than anything, not really too much. I mean, he, it was scary what he would, could do, but uh, in the original show, but he wasn't really when you get down to it, once you take away his advantage and just the fact that he was just so much more powerful than everyone else at the time, he really was just kind of like a whiny, arrogant jerk. Then you get to Cell, who was terrifying when he was first introduced, but you know, as he got more and more powerful, he got more and more cocky. You know, and of course, that led to him being hoisted by his own batard in a kind of way via Gohan. But, uh and then Boo, Boo was his own special case of weird. I love Boo. <laughs> He's, he was different. I'll give you that. He was definitely not what, uh, after Frieza and uh Cell, he was certainly not what fans were expecting in terms of a bad guy. But um still a bit more on the simple side. But I don't know. Yeah, in terms of just general, like, likability... Beerus is definitely up there, cause he's, he's, he's still got the Toriyama sense of humor, like he's got his own, like, mm-hmm. fair of silly moments where like, uh, much kinda like Boo did in a way, like when he first started out in the show, when he was introduced. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what kinda sets him apart from, uh, from the other previous big, big bads in Dragon Ball Z, cause they, they were both like, they both were, you know, could be incredibly deadly, but also incredibly funny.
2: They they feel like proper Dragon Ball characters, don't they? Yes, don't they? they do. Because a lot of the like all the movies that came out when the series is running, they're sort of feel the movies just cash in, cash grabs. Yeah, and they, any characters created for that are just like, oh, let's just create a character for this movie. Mm-hmm. Don't don't have to think about it too hard.
1: Yeah, none of the none of the I... villains from the from the other Dragon Ball movies, save like one or two, were actually. Interesting or had more character to them other than I am evil for the sake of lols
2: <laughs> They'll just go, ah, oh, we've got to have a brother of Frieza. Let's call him Fridge. Cooler. His
1: name was Cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Which is even funnier I if bet. you if you really think so. I know um, the folks at Team Four Star uh, who do the Dragon Ball abridged series, they've 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 abridged quite a few of the movies, and I think every single turn that they've they've taken toward of and abridging those movies have been have made them an act, absolute joy to watch but um yeah really other than that there's not too much to most of these films the only ones that i would say were exceptions um were three different ones i liked um did you ever see wrath of the dragon nope that was one I like that was literally the, the last movie before uh battle of gods came out I believe, and that was an interesting one because the, um, most of the baddies in the movies were all like these, just these really powerful fighters or androids or whatever hell villain of the week kind of character. But, um, this one actually dealt with, uh, like having this, like this, like kaiju level size monster thing that was sealed away into two different people. Yeah. It was, it was kind of creepy looking. And um, it was the first time we'd ever see, like, any of the Dragon Ball characters actually try to take down or fight something that, that scale, which was a unique idea. And then, of course, the other two that I, I'm thinking of were actually from the very first two movies. Um, The really, the, the, I think World's Strongest had the really crazy scientist guy who was just a brain, and he was just, like, this giant, he was in this giant machine and trying to take them out, he just wanted to, like... Take over, like, the, over the strongest man in the world, so he would, you know, be like the perfect human being or something. And then, of course, there was the very first one, like, the the silliest name. He even got his own arc, which was in the, uh, filler version of the show. Uh, Garlic Jr. Do you remember him?
2: I don't, yeah, I don't (laughs) think so. His
1: name is the stupidest thing ever, but believe it or not, I actually think as far as the, in terms of just like the movie villains go, he actually has genuinely you know, genuine motivation to be an antagonist for a film, at least over m- most of the others, until at least until Beerus came along. <sighs> but I'm done ranting, so we can talk about the actual movie now.
2: So the setup is interesting in that it's half, uh, oh here comes Beerus and he's going to threaten the Earth, and it's half let's get everyone together for a birthday party.
1: <laughs> Bulma's turning thirty-eight. <laughs> Let's throw a big old bash.
2: So, what a perfect excuse to get all the cast there.
1: <laughs> Including some party crashers in the form of Pilaf, Mai, and uh, I forget what the last guy's name was. Shoe. I... Dog, bloke.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they, name is, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that that was interesting in addition to the movie. It's like, okay, we know you know it. This is more for a Dragon Ball sense of humor. If it's got these three uh, knuckleheads involved,
2: yeah, exactly. That's proper throwback to Dragon Ball having those guys in it.
1: And uh, yeah. yeah, with the yeah throwing Beerus into the mix. Basically, I just loved the fact that even though he was looking for a you know the reason why he came to Earth in the first place was looking for a a rival that could challenge his power, you know, just because he dreamed about it. Even though that was what he was originally came came there to do. He he saw that there was a party going on. He's like, Ooh, this looks like fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna go try and see what their food tastes like. And then you basically Mm -hmm. you see him kind of relaxing and laughing with everyone else, all the while Vegeta's like sweating bullets on the far corner, just like, oh God please let nothing make him mad.
2: Which leads, of course, to the Vegeta song that's number.
3: <laughs> oh my god, that was
1: which
2: is amazing.
1: <laughs> I, I I remember when I was I first saw this movie. I was sitting in the theater, and I don't think I have ever heard a theater packed of you know packed full of people laughing so hard all at the same time.
0: Alright, everyone, listen up. Gohan's trick is over. Now it's time for the main event of Bulma's birthday: the bingo tournament. Bingo! 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 Okay, he's been drinking more than Gohan. By time bingo, ha! There's a fun place to be, all. Yeah, the food is tasty, too. Yum! Let's go play, oh. Let's be friends, oh. Fun time, bingo.
3: <laughs> it was an incredible
1: experience just, just for that. So I'll always look at that moment even more fondly because of that. But the fact that it was, this is probably like the most, you know, stick-up-the-butt characters who basically just, for the sake of protecting his friends and family, made an absolute fool of himself. And this was just like I could not have been more prouder of that character than I could that than I could I ever have before or since.
2: I I think it clicked like when I was watching Dragon Ball Kai, sort of, it basically clicked. It was like, yeah, Vegeta's my favorite. He's <laughs> just I think he's just I just find him an entertaining character.
1: He he's the favorite of a lot of people and I can understand why because he's out of Like, save one or two other characters, like, I think Piccolo would be one of the others. He's grown the most throughout the the Mm -hmm. entire of the series. I mean, if you really look at this, you know, from when he was introduced in the very beginning of Dragon Ball Z to where Dragon Ball Z ends, he's he's come completely full circle. And that's it's really, that's one of the joys of watching this show is actually watching that character start, you know, come in and start as one way behaving and like you know being this complete jerk and you know evil asshole and then all of a sudden you know by the time the series ends he's a lot more even-tempered he's still you know don't mess with him because you'll regret it but at the very least he you know he's mellowed out to the point where he has a he's married he has kids and he actually is okay with it and you actually in this movie get to see how far he's willing to go in order to protect that and that that was
2: that was probably, like, the heart of the whole movie for me. <laughs> yes. I'd, completely, I'd forgotten about that bit, so I was really glad that I rewatched the movie in mm-hmm. preparation for this, because I would have not mentioned, you know, the key scene, as you say, with the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But Beerus is a lot of fun, and so is Weiss as well. They, were, mm-hmm. ev-
1: they steal every single scene that they have in the movie, hands down, mm-hmm. because they're just, you know, they're, they're not evil for the sake of being evil, like a lot of the other villains we've mentioned before that were in the movies prior. They were just, they're just characters who have their own, you, you know, unique origins and abilities, and they're just, they have a mission, but, you know, they see you know, a whole bunch of people having a good time, and they just want to join in and just... Be careful that one of them has a very short temper, and if he gets crossed, he can blow things up. (sighs) Which they all find out, unfortunately.
2: I think it's quite risky, like, in something that's been going for a long time. Like, suddenly saying, ah, there's this villain who's actually worse than everyone else and who's actually behind, you know, pulling all the strings and all the things that have happened before. Or he was... You know, because they basically link him into freezer in the movie. Exactly. You're, they go, Aha which kind of sets up Resurrection F, in a way. Yeah. Um, so when you heard that film was coming out, they go, ah, see, I see what they're doing there. Um, whether, whether they were intending to or not, I don't know. But it it works nicely, that. But it does. It doesn't – I I think it'd be easy to, you know – annoyed with them doing that. Ah, going, ah, there was actually someone behind all this.
1: And the fact that they made beer is so ridiculously strong over the main heroes, they were, you know, it, it, at first it seemed like a bad idea because, you know, how is how are the heroes going to overcome them if it's such an insurmountable you know, foe that they have to face? But that's actually the way they went about it was what made it so interesting.
2: I was trying to think of an example of a time that someone's done something like that that annoyed people. Um, mm-hmm. and I just I've just remembered the one I was trying to think of. Um, this may be a little bit of a spoiler for um for Spectre. Ah, okay. <laughs> um in that the villain in Spectre, they basically go, "Oh, the villain in all the other movies, be- recent James Bond movies, they're all connected to this villain." So, that's too big a spoiler hopefully um and you know some people called bs on that they were like no that's annoying saying ah that all these people are actually working for this guy um and it's a similar sort of thing in what's happened in battle of the gods but i think it works because <laughs> you go oh no, no that makes sense that that because he's been asleep all the time so you wouldn't know
1: (laughs) well i think it's because it was only a loose connection i mean you get the sense that beer is because he's a god of destruction that he's involved with you know anything any big uh goings on he's very he has to be kept informed of so he knows like okay which plants do i need to go in order to blow them up okay yeah sure i'll do that but you know it the way it's the way he views his you know his role in the universe that kind of makes you know the character all the more interesting is like to him it's you know it's it's part of his existence it's also more of like a you know it's his job it's his nature it's like you know mm-hmm. it's like i I'm, I'm it's nothing personal this is just something i got to do this is what i was hired for you know so don't mess with me when i'm trying to do my job kind of thing <laughs> and that's you know same with wees you know the fact that he's Beerus' supposed caretaker and you know you find out that he's actually supposedly the p- person who actually taught beerus to be as you know as strong as he is, so that opens up like a whole nother like potential mythos for this universe, like, oh god, okay, there are these entities that can train even the gods of destruction. Who or what are they? And kind of thing. And
2: and the relationship between the two of them is amusing as well. Yes. They're they're a good double act.
1: Very much so. It's like you can't even you can't even define them in terms of the you know typical like funny person straight you know funny man straight man kind of duo it's just they've they work they're they're, they both have shades of that in their character so it's like you you can't really define them in a particular kind of cliche comedy role they're just a funny duo of characters
2: i like the fact that beerus looks like he linked to sort of egyptian (laughs) god big egyptian cat yeah it makes you you can imagine that he's ancient and he came down Thousands of years ago, and the the Egyptians worshipped him, or something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If the Dragon Ball, if the Dragon Ball world had Egyptians, or something of that nature. Yeah, that's because remember, it's such a, it's it's such a hodgepodge. It's hard to tell.
2: I'm sure it could have had Egyptians. It's got pterodactyls and (laughs) spaceships and talking,
1: talking animal people.
2: It's got everything. It's got to have Egyptians. (laughs)
1: They they have Native Americans. That was you know they saw that in the original Dragon Ball series. So had those yep. without you know actually having a North America. So there you go.
2: Mhm. So yeah, <laughs> it works. They call it Earth. Yeah. As well. It's obviously not the same Earth, unless that's a very strange version of Japan. I don't know.
1: The world may never know. To be honest with you, other than other than Toriyama himself. Earth
2: yeah he's like i don't care just put it all together it's fun and it is
1: but the one thing about um wanted to mention about uh battle of gods before we move on to resurrection of f um another interesting point with the movie because you do have the whole build-up like the first half is more of like you know a lot more comedy comedy comedy-based jokes you know with all the characters hanging out At Balma's party, Beerus kind of crashes the party, and then you see what, like, Vegeta goes to in order to try and keep him passive. Then one thing sets him off, and of course, once Beerus gets going, everyone tries to fight him off. But, you know, of course, being the god of destruction, everyone does relatively poor against him, save Vegeta, who gets one good shot in. But then when they, um... When Goku shows up once again and actually manages to fight him one-on-one, we actually get a really good bit of uh character development with Goku that I don't think I've seen happen in a long time. I mean, even throughout the course of Dragon Ball Z in general. To be honest. The fact that when he gets yeah. that uh, power-up that, that allowed him to fight toe-to-toe with Beerus for, for a change, how he was actually, he expresses his frustration at the fact that it took he had to rely on others in order to get to that level of power, and he hated it.
2: Mhm.
3: Yeah.
2: Because yeah, they introduced the new, the new level of, Super Saiyan God. Yes. <laughs>
1: Which is, as, I think, is probably about as silly as it sounds, but at the same time, like, if I'll give him this, it was a very different kind of power up that the shows had before. Like you know how the soup like the longer the series went on, the Super Saiyan transformations got bigger and more ridiculous and bulkier and just looked like they were on steroids half the time. Whereas this form, you know, Goku's actually significantly skinnier. His hair's more or less the same, he just has red it it's just turned red with you know, red irises and it was interesting that they made it just like a complete and utter contrast to the Super Saiyan transformations we've seen before. And it didn't even last for that long. they had to have a
2: new one. They had to have a new one, really, didn't they? To sort of justify the film coming back.
1: To make sure that this is, you know, still a Dragon Ball Z film, folks, you know, not just Dragon Ball. We have to have a new Super Saiyan Mm -hmm. transformation because another big thing with the marketing with Dragon Ball Z, it seemed, the longer it went on, is like, you know, Super Saiyan transformations were just like the big thing. That was what pulled people into see the movies, at least... Up to a certain point.
2: You gotta have a new range of actions. Exactly. Um. <laughs> That's how it mm-hmm. works.
1: But yeah, it's just, it was very interesting that we got to see, you know, how that power up came about and then just seeing Goku's reaction to it and then how, you know, his, how it helped his, you know, reveal more about his character in terms of how he, you know, he's always looking to make himself better and how he's actually doesn't like the fact that he had to, you know need other people to help him get there
2: and it's also quite interesting if you do watch like the two films within close close together because then you notice like all the little uh, things that set up in the first one that follow through you know the, 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 the little touches like the fact that um <laughs> May and Trunks little thing there oh yes um, the
1: fact that um may is uh now now trunks's official girlfriend after battle of gods
2: yep bit, of, bit of that happens between the film
1: <laughs> that was that was a key that was a cute running uh running uh plot line i think mhm so uh yeah, so it's yeah going on to you know with the fun that battle of guards yeah know guards gods excuse me uh <laughs> started and then going into Resurrection of F it is, you know, what's your thought and how, you know, as a whole how Resurrection of F um, stood on its own as it compared to Battle of Gods
2: Well, I, th- I think as you basically said I think Resurrection F is more of a Z movie and Dragon Ball Battle of the Gods felt more like a Dragon Ball movie um, I think Resurrection of F is kind of like a, a celebration of Dragon Ball Z as a series and all the... And, you know, it's got a bit of stripped down cast compared to... You know, it doesn't have absolutely everyone popping up in the same way that... There, you know, there isn't a... There's no party this time, put it that mm-hmm. way. It, you know, concentrates on a more serious plot rather than have... Uh, <laughs> freezer turn up and also... Um, Goku's putting on a play, <laughs> and, or,
1: now that just be silly.
2: No, and they've got to save the rec center or something. No, it's just it's just completely concentrating on on the main plot. It's a bit more stripped down. I think mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, don't it know still they, has its
1: own like, even though it's got more focused on the the big battle with this you know newly revived uh, adversary. It's not a it, it still had plenty of humor in it, I think,
2: yeah, absolutely it's still still fun, it's just um it's I think perhaps they you know concentrated making it more. I don't know if they you know felt there was any negative feedback at all, people like i it was good, but they wanted more action or whatever, yeah, I whatever. think that was
1: actually one of the big things after battle of gods came out was that a lot of people were clamoring for was more action, please, because. Apparently, for some reason, the big fight with Beerus and Goku at the end of Battle Gods wasn't enough for them. So I'm like, okay, well, apparently, with this movie, they got their wish.
2: Bringing Frieza back is a smart move, I think, because he's one of the most iconic villains in it. And, you know, what else are they going to do? Go, Boo's gone bad again. No, uh,
1: (laughs) believe it or not, yeah, it's like, I think...
2: Resurrection B... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Frieza was probably the best choice because Boo's Boo's on the good guy side now after everything that happened. In the saga, you know, his his own personal saga. It would be really pointless to bring back Cell, the villain beforehand before Boo because the fact that I think most of what happened, you know, in his own arc was really all you could get out of that character. Even though he was damn intimidating in his introduction, but still, I think. The fact that he kind of served as a way, you know, to bring Gohan, you know, kind of take over Goku's mantle in a way, and that at least at that point in the series was basically what his purpose was for. And since that purpose has been satisfied, it's like really there would be little to no point to bringing him back. So yeah, that made Frieza the only good choice to bring back, because there was still some stuff that was left over with him that you could do.
2: Mm-hmm. And let's let's be honest being dead in Dragon Ball has never been too much of a <laughs> much of a um hurdle to coming back.
1: No, it. Well, it I mean they explain it in the in the series that there's there are some defining rules like with the Dragon Balls and how many times someone can be revived. It just depends mm-hmm. on which of the Dragon Balls you're using. As like yeah. they 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 do there's like there are rules to bring back like you can only I think like, with the the Dragon Balls on Earth use like you can only bring one person back to life, you know, bring a person back to life once if they died of unnatural causes. And, you know, if that's going to happen, their body needs to be intact. I remember those were, like, the guidelines for uh bringing someone back. But, yeah, it, it became fairly obvious once they could use more than one set of Dragon Balls. Like, oh, we can bring back anyone we want more as, like, as many times as we want. It's like, okay, guys, this is getting a little ridiculous now. <sighs> the fact that, you know... No one stays dead in fiction, but now it's really the case of no, really, no one stays dead in fiction.
2: <sighs> <laughs> but, but, how awesome is Frieza's version of hell?
1: Oh my god, I was—I swear, I was watching this movie today, and they do this like really, really nice opening shot where they show you, you know, hell, and then it takes you deeper and deeper, and then you get to this underwater place, and then you see like this, you know, pretty field of flowers with a tree, you know. The single tree and like little teddy bears playing instruments and like like swear like it's something you've seen out of the Care Bears cartoon and then there you see in a little cocoon is Frieza looking like he's about to have an aneurysm
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes his idea of hell is Care Bears
1: <laughs> that was actually probably the most yeah. fun. that was probably the funniest if not the most perfect introduction of the whole film it was just that mm-hmm. because it's, that's that's the the greatest. It's like, okay, you know, hell is a big place. We know if you, for different people, you know, have their own versions of like, you know, what they would think hell would be. And for Frieza, that's what hell is.
2: <laughs> Brilliant. So that that was a good introduction. Oh, I gosh, yes. <laughs> and the
1: fact that by the time everything gets all said and done, it's like he's right back there. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> but um, I'll admit. There were still, even though there were quite a few things that I really enjoyed about the film, the sense of humor, the fact that we still had um, Reese and Beerus as uh, main cast members, you know, to at least, you know, made an appearance and still had their wonderful sense of humor to the whole situation. And then there was their introduction of Jocko. And my all-time favorite aspect of the film was um, the fact that we got this big old fight scene with... A majority, not all of them, but a majority of the major cast members—you know, Gohan, Piccolo, Tien, Krillin, and uh, even Master Roshi—who hasn't really, who barely got in the action in the series after Dragon Ball Z take took off—actually all got this really wonderful fight scene together, where they all all these characters got a chance to shine, and it was wonderful to see. considering how Goku, has, mainly Goku and Vegeta, have taken most of the spotlight of the, like the films and the the television show. At least in the later season, so it was great to see all those characters get some good time on screen.
2: Yeah, that that freezer force attack thing is pretty big. <laughs> With all those all those people coming out in the uniforms and like, whoa I won't be seeing it in the trailer and be like, okay, this is a big one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably one of the largest like overall fights I think the series has ever had, at least in terms of like just overall numbers
2: oh it has to be definitely yeah there's i don't think there's been anything on that scale mm-hmm. ever even close really. it was
1: cool to see the fact that mm-hmm. you know the, all the characters you know weren't didn't come out of it completely unscathed but they still did really freaking well so it shows how you know in terms of how strong they all still are at least by the end of the by the end of the show how you know how s- strong they are in terms of what the uh you know, when they first fought against these guys back in the, the Frieza saga. But the one thing that really kind of was a bit, a bit of a letdown for me, at least, um, and just overall of the film was the fact that it was pretty much the very ending. I'll admit, would you, I think you might know what I'm talking about where I, I'm trying not to spoil too much else <laughs> for the folks who haven't seen it. But, um there was a moment where something really big happened and they found a way to oh, no undo yeah. it
2: it was it was kind of set up earlier
1: yeah but you still I don't know I, I still feel like it a bit uncomfortable like they maybe there was something about that uh about that moment they could have done a little more to make it a bit more dramatic I think because it just kind mm-hmm. of seemed like it just it happened like oops oh that's annoying we should we should fix that
2: yeah um i yeah um i yeah i it is cheating but i i wasn't too annoyed because i felt that you know they'd they set up the ability to do that thing earlier on <laughs> um and so when it happened, I was like, when the thing leading up to it happened, I was like, ah, oh, all oh, oh, right, okay, that's when they're going to do that that thing, mm-hmm. and then they do that thing. Ah, like, oh, I did that thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can we be any more vague? Um, yeah, really. Um, so I I wasn't too annoyed in that it's kind of what we were already talking about that they do just on a bigger scale. Yeah. So I kind of feel if. If you're not too annoyed that they keep going, ah, someone's not dead anymore, then...
1: Oh, someone died. uh, Let's just revive them with the Dragon Balls kind of thing.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, they've done that quite a lot. So Mm -hmm. doing it that way one more time, it's like, (laughs) oh, okay. That's what you do. No, admittedly,
1: I think my real real, uh, peeve with that particular moment might actually be with, like, just a few minutes before where you know we've had at least a good portion of the film you have Goku fighting Frieza and they're in both of their new forms which i just it's Dragon Ball Z i would you know i really didn't think the new forms were necessary but it's Dragon Ball Z so i'm just going to roll with it but you know you have Goku and Frieza fighting for a good bit you know and then at, some, at a particular point he switches off Goku switches off for with Vegeta against Frieza and that was the point I was actually really waiting for to be honest that was the mat- mm-hmm. that was the rematch I was really really itching to see and I think a lot of other people were too because I remember when I saw Resurrection of F in the theater when uh Vegeta steps in to take Goku's place in the fight and um shows that he can do the big transformation too and he starts you know duking it out with Frieza the entire theater erupted with applause so I think, like, I I think it's safe to say I wasn't the only one who was waiting for that, and the fact that there was a lot more, you know, going on between those two characters in terms of the overall fight that, you know, could have made it a lot more interesting. But then when it looks like, you know, you're finally going to get the end of the fight, and then that thing happens, and then it just kind of botched the whole thing up.
2: Yeah, I can see that, but I I because it's think,
1: always uh, got to be about Goku now, doesn't it?
2: Absolutely. He is the, he's Goku.
1: <laughs> I'm just gonna make this clear for any, any of the fans who could be watching this like, oh, you're a, you're a Goku hater kind of thing. It's like, no, don't get me wrong. I absolutely adore Goku. He is a wonderful, fun loving, like just this character that's, you know, I, I grew up with and I, and I love him, love him to death, but at the same time, it's like, He's been in the spotlight for a long time and one of the things about Dragon Ball Z that I loved the most about it as opposed to Dragon Ball was that we had so many other characters during Goku's many absences in that show where we got to see all these other characters uh in the you know, in the group get to shine and have a lot of screen time. And to be perfectly honest, if it was a bit more balanced screen time between all these other characters a bit more, then I would be more I would be more satisfied, but it just the fact that Goku is the most popular character or one of the more popular characters is the fact that he always gets the the big fights, he always gets to be the big hero at the end. It's just like, come on, can't can't one other person like can't we have like like Gohan, you know, be the hero again or someone else <sighs> please.
2: The thing is that they always do is the fact that he's not there the whole time. He comes in mm-hmm. and they you know, they actually make a they make a point of re- referencing it in this one. They're like, "Why didn't you, Why can't you be here for the whole fight for once?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's the whole, it's the whole thing of like, well, if you like, when someone pulls out some magical ability right at the end, and you just go, "Well, if you could do that the whole time, why didn't you just do that at the beginning for dramatic tension?" Obviously. <laughs> Why didn't they just use fly the eagles to Mordor?
1: <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to bring that up because <laughs> that was another. That's exactly the same kind of
3: thing, I guess.
2: Yeah. So you don't bring on Goku at the beginning; you bring him partway through, so he can show up and go, "Ah, I'm riding in," and I kick everybody, in the, face. everybody <laughs> in the face. But one, I think perhaps what would have been nice is. You know, they as they kept pointing out, if Goku and Vegeta just teamed up, <laughs> then they'd be unstoppable.
1: Yeah, I believe that the Whis no. himself said, "Like, okay, if you two actually teamed up together, you could, you both could probably take out Beerus." And Beerus is like, shh, don't tell them that.
2: So they could have just done, you know, that would have been a nice touch.
3: Yeah, but they're rather again, than, they're both rather, too damn rather stubborn. Than Goku,
2: rather than Goku turn up and say. Say, aha I'm saving you. Oops, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm saving the
1: worlds again.
2: Yeah. Then they could have said together and then Yeah, but perhaps that's too too out of character for them.
1: At least at least for m- more for uh Goku. Yeah. Even Goku that'd be for out of mm. character because he's more it's like I do it myself kind of guy. Like it's it's amazing mm. how much more Cocky Goku has gotten in his in, as he's gotten older with all these victories, they've clearly started going to his head now, to the point where he is just as kind of stubborn and maybe even a bit more arrogant than uh, and, uh, just as arrogant as Vegeta is, which is kind mm-hmm. of makes the character interactions between them all the more interesting as their rivalry has
2: evolved over the years. <laughs> I also liked Krillin as a cop. So oh yes,
1: it, it's it's good to see that he's providing for his family because I was a little unsure for a while in the show.
2: It's good to know he's yes. got a job, may, making himself a um a important part of society. Mm-hmm. It's good, yes. And he's he's got a phone with a ringtone with the theme song from One Piece on it. Yeah, so that's isn't cool. isn't uh, uh Art
1: Toriyama and um I forget his full name, Oda, uh, Oda the creator of One Piece, yeah. aren't they good friends?
2: a jira oda yeah like that. i think yeah the i'm sure yeah i think so um apparently a books just come out in japan 30th anniversary 30th anniversary of dragon ball but which i'm sure was like last year or maybe even the year before so i'm a bit confused <laughs> but um and it's got like loads of it's got art by various people celebrating including oda and um and it's apparently got got um toriyama talking about basically saying uh about how he hated um dragon ball evolution
3: yes as uh, as he should
2: and also sort of a a suggestion that people have taken that he's saying that he doesn't like that he's not impressed with super really but i i think it's probably on a technical level because there's been a lot of criticism hasn't there there
1: are a couple episodes that are really that have good, you know, good quality animation. Like, um, I wouldn't say still not movie quality, but still, you know, better quality than it, you know, than it has been. But then there are just, like, a couple, like, fight scenes and some of the episodes where it just takes a very, very noticeable dip. And it's, that's what people have been complaining about the most when it comes to the show in general. That and the fact that basically what they've been doing and trying to catch the series up since the, you know, the Boo Saga... They're basically redoing the plot lines of um, both Battle of Gods and Resurrection of F, and really haven't done anything new as of yet.
3: But
2: yeah, it's frustrating. Like this is your biggest cash cow, so do it, do it properly. <laughs> but I suppose they might be like, we don't need to do it properly. We're already we making money. It's
1: kind of like the Michael Bay syndrome. It's like they're going to watch it anyway, mm. kind of thing.
2: So we don't even have to try. Oh, please, please try. try!
1: You'll start losing people if you don't try.
2: Have you? Did you see Dragon Ball Evolution? Incidentally. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> that noise says everything. Yeah, I, I, it's. I didn't. Watch no,
1: no, 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 Chris, Chris. I'm. I. I, I tell you mm. this as a friend. Never watch it. If you, if you have any love okay. for the Dragon Ball franchise in your heart, don't watch it. I, I, I swear to God, I watched it as like a joke kind of thing. Like see, okay, let's see how bad this is. If I can, you know, watching it while drunk and see if it's still, you know, if I can get some kind of entertainment out of it. It wasn't. It was like watching mm-hmm. the live action version of Avatar the Last Airbender. It was just painful. It hurt. It hurt so ma- it hurt so bad.
2: Oh, Rachel. It's I'm okay. Sorry. I'll I'll survive. Uh, uh, but that film is why 20th Century Fox now have them um, have their logo in front of the Dragon Ball. Yeah,
1: fox. I mean, I was watching you know watching both of those films this weekend. It's like you know the the title card you know the title comes up and you hear the 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 fox you know dun 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 you the big logo like. Yeah. Oh, I forgot Fox still owned this. I thought maybe after Dragon Ball Evolution they'd be like, nope.
2: <laughs> it's, so they get first dibs on things. So that's why uh, Battle Battle of the Gods took a while to come out in mm-hmm. English because it came out was it two thousand thirteen in Japan or twelve? Yeah,
3: it had been out for a while. Yeah,
2: so, and it took quite a while to come out in the US and the UK, mm-hmm. but then obviously Battle of the Gods. I mean, Resurrection of F—they learned their lesson. Well,
1: I yeah, think right. it's because Battle yes, of Gods did so well. Because I remember when they did that limited release thing, like they did with um, with, like they would do with Resurrection of F with Battle of Gods. It's like it—it it made a good, good load of money. Not as much as Resurrection of F made, but still a, a sizable chunk that they were like, "Oh, maybe we should actually do a better job of this, of getting that distributed on time."
2: I I'd, I'd be interested to hear uh what people thought of it if Resurrection 'F' if that's like the only Dragon Ball they've seen in years because I think like if say you grew up on Dragon Ball and then you haven't watched it since and then you watch Neff, I think you'll be like yeah nostalgia yeah I love this I it's my that's the impression I get I kind of feel like it would have been fun for people who haven't you know a bit of be a bit of a throwback and reminder of the show but mm-hmm. i haven't actually you know heard anyone so i was i was kind of hoping you know like dan get to watch it and go hear what he thinks of it so yeah. we we'll, we shall have to see because i know he is you know he used to watch it when he was a kid and then not not been watching it recently so yeah like, be interesting
1: to get his take on it so well maybe maybe at mm-hmm. some point later on in, in another episode we can bring it up bring it up to him
3: mm-hmm.
1: when he's actually seen it yeah
3: Hmm.
1: but is there anything else about the movies you feel we should talk about or you think that's pretty much it we've, we've covered all of our bases I'm
2: trying to think uh yeah i already said jaco is awesome
1: yeah, Jacko's awesome. Please, if we could do like another like mini series about him, that'd be awesome. But um,
2: yeah, you wouldn't think it'd work, but it does. <laughs> and just introducing, yeah, him. you wouldn't think it'd work, but it does. <laughs> and just introducing him, yeah. and it's so random. And but it because he already exists in the it's already in the Dragon Ball universe, isn't it? I haven't read it, but.
1: It supposedly takes place before um, like a little bit before the uh, Dragon Ball manga was even supposed to start. Um, Jocko comes to Earth and he actually meets um, I forget what the scientist's name is, but he actually meets, uh, Bulma's sister. And they kind of, yeah, tights. Because, uh, undergarment puns with her family.
3: Mm -hmm. And,
1: uh, they go on a bit of an adventure and I think Jocko was originally sent to Earth in order to pursue a certain spacecraft that kind of crash-landed on Earth at the time that was supposedly carrying a Saiyan baby, which he had to kill because it would have destroyed the life of the planet. But it turns out that never happened because Jocko got distracted by uh, the people he met on Earth, so by the time he left, he realized, oops, I was supposed to go and do a job.
2: Oh, that ties together beautifully. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's fun, and he—I like the fact that he's like a little dude, and also interesting in the dub that he's got the same voice as the dub voice of Sergeant Frog.
3: Yes, he does.
1: I, you know what? I just realized that. Oh my god!
2: So that works. It well certainly too. does. <laughs> so, again,
1: props to the Funimation uh, for doing an excellent job dubbing both films because it just, it just made the nostalgia all the more palpable and just and so much more enjoyable because, like I said, grew up with those voices with, all the, with the television show and so it only, it only makes sense that they would get the same people and they all just kind of bring their A-game. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah.
2: I do... I kept... I wonder, though what it would it be like to see the 3D version oh Resurrection that of that really F <laughs> yeah
1: uh, it's it's hard to say I want to say it would be really good but at the same time it might be just one of those films where they just kind of like tack 3D on at the very end like they didn't really make it with the film in mind kind of thing
2: what what do you think of like that animation quality of the movies because they're not amazing really are they what? I don't think. It's definitely better
1: than... In, in. in terms of, like, new material, it's definitely, like, the, the best the series has looked in a long time. I
3: mm-hmm. mean,
1: the older animation style you'll see in, like, some of the older films in the show itself, like, it's got, a, like, a unique uniqueness to it, even though it, it's definitely older animation. And so it's kind of mm-hmm. like it's got its own character in that. And you can definitely see how that character has evolved in this new style of animation. I mean... It really depends on, like, what kind of, like, sequence of animation that you're talking about. Because a lot of, like, the regular 2D stuff, like, where all the characters are kind of, like, talking and shooting the breeze. That's the kind of stuff that I really like. Because it just, you know, it's just kind of, like, very simple. Kind of, like, more on the long lines of the the stuff that, the older stuff that we got to see.
3: Mm-hmm. But in
1: terms of, like, the big stuff, like, the big fight scenes, where they're now they're incorporating more, like, You know, three-dimensional animations along with the 2D. Some of it can be good. Like, I remember watching Battle of Gods, like, the big fight sequence between Goku and Beerus, and just being absolutely blown away by that in the theater. And then, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was just the difference between Battle of Gods and Resurrection F that I finally, like, looked at that kind of, um, the, the bigger fight sequences where they had a lot more CG animation involved in Resurrection of F and just... I don't know. It was a lot more noticeable that time around. Like I think it was because the fights were so much fewer in Battle of Gods that they were able to get away with that. Now that they had something with a bit more the larger scale to deal with, it was a bit harder to hide it.
2: I I think it's just when I rewatched Battle of Gods, I sort of was thinking that I remembered it looking a bit better when I watched it before. I thought, oh, mm-hmm. I thought it you know, been the animation got an upgrade or whatever. But, um, I mean, it obviously has from the old one, <laughs> um, because, <laughs> you know, it's like 18 years later, it's going to have progressed, but, and it all looks in keeping with the original and everything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like it's a different series or anything. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, it's not as good as, you know, a really slick Ghibli movie or anything like that. It's It's fine. No. It's no. just, it's just not. It's not that big a jump out of telly or anything. It's
1: well, it's not that type of movie, to be honest. I mean, I no. I would actually be a little weirded out if I went to see a Dragon Ball movie and got like something of looking like Ghibli-level quality. I'd be like, I'd be pleasantly surprised, but I would be more, more like, okay, what happened? Like, this seems distinctly hmm. un-Dragon Ball. What happened?
2: I probably shouldn't have said Ghibli. I should have probably said something like... A, a production IG movie or something like that, you know, something yeah. more, something less, less completely different from. <laughs> well, I think
1: it's kind of like the cartoonish, uh, like, like feel to the animation is part of the charm of Dragon Ball, like, because that's because mm-hmm. it, you know, it's based off a com, you know, a manga, graphic novel, comic, you know, that was meant to be more of a humorous kind of action adventure style series and you know that's if you change that at least with the way it's animated it's something's not gonna feel right I mean at least that that's what it seems like to me
2: I'm not saying it's bad saying it's not it's not it's not the highest end of highest end it's it's just it does' the it job, does the job <laughs> it's supposed
1: to do and you know what I'm, I think I'm cool with that and I think as at least from the fan reaction with these new films, has you know, has brought, I think the rest of the fan base is pretty okay with it too.
2: Yeah, obviously, <laughs> from your experience, it, it looked good on cinema. Oh, screen. yeah. That's, that's kind of important. Um, so, so, yeah, I was just.
1: Before we wrap things up, I mean, obviously, we can't talk too much about Super because of the fact that, you know, it's not being legitimately aired across you know mm-hmm. overseas yet but um at the very least and i think we've we've mentioned it a couple times in previous podcasts so we'll try to keep it brief but um in terms of like new stuff like with a new potential that these movies have opened up because they've dropped several hints that there's you know more to the universe now with the introduction of beerus and weiss it's like what would you you know what were, what are your expectations of going forward from here after these you know, after these two movies and you know the series itself going forward as a whole
2: well i was super pleased that ha <laughs> super pleased ah! uh, ah! Ha-ha! That, uh, that um Beerus and Weiss were in this this movie as well as the as um you know they returned as mm-hmm. key characters so i'm you know if they're going for they're getting Going to be in a series after they've done the arcs that relate to TV, the films as well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all for that as well because, like I said, I think they're great characters. Um, and it would be interesting if they do take it pan-dimensional, as I think you have suggested.
1: There, so they that might... seems to be the direction that they're moving with Super. That now that they've introduced the fact that there's like multiple universes. Each with its own god of destruction, like the Beerus mentioned at the very end of Battle of the Gods, you know, that opens like a whole, up a whole new series of characters and ideas and stories that, you know, that are, are just begging to be explored in the series. And if anyone, if anyone's going to explore them, I know Goku's going to want to. So I have a feeling that's where the, the series is definitely going to be heading toward. I just really hope that we get the characters that we get introduced to are of the same level or same calibre in terms of just, you know, dynamic and funny and interesting like the like Beerus and Whis have been.
2: I'd like to think that if, you know, Toriyama was saying that he's not entirely satisfied with where it's going, they might go, hey, hey, Toriyama, mate, what do you think we should do? And he'd be like, well, here's what you should do, and here are some new characters, and, you know, and then it would go... They probably won't do that, but it'd be nice. <laughs> well,
1: they've already proved that uh, you know, uh, getting his stamp of approval on the films, at least, have led to good things. So, I would like to think they'd be a bit more willing to listen to him in terms of cre- you know, creative advice. Maybe not necessarily direction, but at least creative advice in terms of character creation and so forth. So, I would like to think that they'd be more willing to listen to him, but what do I know? I don't lev- I don't work in that industry. I don't know what it's like to work in that industry. So this is just pure fan speculation.
2: And the other thing about Super that I've heard about because obviously I haven't seen any because it's not available.
1: But not everyone's
3: available. talking about
2: it. But everyone seems to have seen it anyway. I don't know how. I don't understand these things. Um, <laughs> uh, people have basically suggested that there's this whole sort of sitcom element of Like Vegeta's adventures as a wacky dad and things like that, and you know, there's. I think I saw images like of Vegeta just looking really pissed off, going, having to take his kids somewhere or something.
1: something. Oh no! Wait, I think Um, I might have heard about this. It was like one of the first episodes that supposedly came out. I remember like the internet like exploded after this episode came out, and like there were a billion pictures of Vegeta with Bulma and uh, Trunks, uh, his son, and they were all at a theme park. Because he had promised way back in the way back in back in the booze saga, or like way before that even started, he promised he'd take Trunks to a music park. So this was him keeping his promise. I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> Let's see where this could go.
2: Yeah, I want to see stuff like that. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I could live with a, basically a sitcom with the characters because I think they're strong enough, and Vegeta is amusing. So.
1: So, especially when he's being forced to we're... do stuff he really is not a fan of doing.
2: Yeah. Um. What about you? Well, how do you feel about where it's going?
1: I'm optimistic. I again, I really like what we mentioned about the sip, the sitcommy elements of the show that they've uh, mm. they've been experimenting with thus far. I mean, it sounds like I keep picturing in my head when I think about like I hear like synopses of the various episodes that you know people talk about, and it just sounds hilarious. And um, I even like was zipping through YouTube at one point, and there was this one point, like in the, the pre-resurrection of F thing, where you see like the same shot in the very beginning of Resurrection F, where you have uh, Gohan and Videl's baby daughter in her pram, and you see Piccolo rocking the pram. And mm-hmm. um, I think the they they expanded on that scene in um, in Super, where they actually like. Pan's actually looking at him, and he, believe it or not, like, it, he does this, like, a little bit off camera, but you can hear him making baby faces at her. <sighs>
3: <laughs>
1: so it's, like, it's still little stuff like that. Like, I would like more of that, please. And um, if they're going to do the, all like, you know, cross-dimensional traveling, you know, to different universes and meeting new characters, like I said before, I want them to be diverse, you know, dynamic funny. Like, just like, you know, uh Beerus and Whis have proven so far that they can be. And, um, I don't know. I just want to be able to, you know, a nice like, adventurous, like, conflict or something, like, or, or a story where you know, they meet these new characters and they have to, you know, they, and the our main characters have to grow as a result of it. More so than just, I've got to train to be stronger kind of thing. Just more of like on a personal level. Maybe I'm asking too much from the series, possibly, but it would be really cool to see.
2: Do you think the fact that they've made Super, it makes it less likely they'll do more movies? Or do you think, because they've made a lot of money, you'd think that they'd be thinking about more movies.
1: It is really hard to say. I mean, I really don't think, I mean super has basically been from what i've under, understand it's been doing has been basically repatching the movies anyway so people are already getting double doses of the same story just one has more time to expand on the little things but I really don't think it would stop them you know the super would you know just stop them from trying to make another film I mean if they've got the money to do it I'm sure that they, they might as well just do it and do it again and see if you know See if they make any more money the next time, but it all depends on which angle they decide to tackle. Depending, you know, considering what Super is already planning on doing, if that makes any sense.
2: Yeah, I, I just think I wouldn't be that surprised if, like there's another movie, say next year or whatever, just because free money basically. <laughs> and I wouldn't mind either if it's if it's as good as these two.
1: One other aspect of uh, Dragon Ball that uh, or Dragon Ball Super that I actually am really hoping uh, might happen, at least something I've always wanted a little bit more of in Dragon Ball in general, is that I need I, I thought it'd be because most of you look at the most of the cast, they're all male characters. I mean, you have a couple female mm-hmm. characters like Android 18 and uh, Chi Chi, who are you know some who are like more eight, more 18 than anything. She's actually a very proficient fighter. But I would like to see if maybe, like, with this interdimensional travel, we get to see more female, uh, fighters who actually can hold their own against the boys would be really cool. Not just, not just be like a typical, like, girl thing, but just, like, kind of, like, balance the cast out, as it were.
2: Yeah, you're right. That is something that's kind of missing from Dragon Ball. That I think, you know, series that come after it did have much, you know, like, things like one piece and naruto have you know much more mixed cast but mm-hmm. Dra- dragon ball there are there are girls and we were there but they're not generally they're not in the same level
1: well at so, least with palma um so she was like the, the first female lead of the series you know even though she's not very you know she's not she's not a fighter like goku or or vegeta is but she's She's very smart and she does hold her own and she's, uh, mm-hmm. she does help the group in her own way, which is great. That's fine. I just feel like that there should be at least one or two other characters, like, you know, maybe in the main cast who would, you know, take a step up and be able to, you know, work one on one with the other really more, you know, more powerful characters in the group. Cause it would lead for a lot more interesting interactions and, uh, definitely more interesting fights.
2: Parallel universe female Goku.
1: (laughs) Uh, not so sure about that, but
2: just or just a female Saiyan. That's Uh, another. That's one
1: thing I know a lot of fans have been clamoring for. That they're really hoping with this interdimensional thing that we'll actually get to see the first female Super Saiyan. I know it's been a long time coming, Toriyama, or whoever's behind Dragon Ball Super. Make it happen. Sorta. Of. <laughs> but yeah, I think pretty much that's all we we've, we've really gone on along the, the Dragon Ball. Everything we could po- possibly cover, at least with this series, I think, at least in terms of these movies. Yeah,
2: pretty much everything. It's
1: a it's a long one, but it's uh, and it may not be for all anime fans, but it's definitely a a guilty pleasure for me.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to our podcast about Dragon Ball. If you um, haven't seen or want to are interested in checking it out, by all means, do so. Support the official release, and um, if you want to stay tuned on more information about like any later releases in terms of Dragon Ball, maybe when we finally get a official dub release for Dragon Ball Super. Um, just check in with animationforadults.com We will let you know what we find out. And uh, Chris, where can we find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at MrChristor, and you can also find me on Facebook at the same.
1: All right and you can follow me on Twitter at fail to ninja and uh, if anyone wants to shoot you know Chris an email about a topic that we'd like to discuss on the podcast, please let us know. Until next time, then, we'll talk to you guys. Oh, I will say talk to you guys. <laughs> Sorry. We'll be back again next week, hopefully with a bit more with uh, Dan Yvonne joining us. And I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good week. Sayonara, bye bye. Kamehameha. Do w do you wanna just end with like a like a double Kamehameha?
3: ha? Kameh. Kamehameha. Kameh have a ha have a good
1: week. <laughs> Sayonara, bye <bye-bye>. bye. <laughs>
0: Some places promise you a change of scenery. Others show you the world in a whole new light. Take Isla Morada. Between the brilliant sunsets, azure skies, warm, clear water, and endless activities, including legendary sport fishing and diving, Isla Morada will take you places you've never been before in more ways than one. For more about Isla Morada and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeescom slash islamorada.